Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 68 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I am your host once again, Dan. And I have been released from the interim stasis of NPR, Brendan, and I am your regular host, regular co-host, regular Brendan. Awesomeness. We are going to talk about two things today, Brendan, yes? Yeah, by and large, two things, yes. Okay, and they are? The Daughters of Cain battle tome, the, the Redux, which is the first... Battle Tome that we are going to be doing, where this is the second time we're covering it. Yep. About, you know, three years after the fact. Mm-hmm. Cool. It means we've been around long enough to, <laughs> to actually do that. Uh, followed quickly by Slanesh, which has only been around for a year. So, And then the second thing we're going to talk about is the preview for the Age of Sigmar show that they did yesterday, Saturday the 20th. We're going to make it a more of a major thing just because it's a major thing. They just released so much yesterday. Well, it's it's more of, of a major thing for our show. Yes, right? that's true. A, a that's lot of true. these other preview shows, it's six things. It's three from 40K. It's three from Age of Sigmar. Yeah. And everything is just... And there's one major thing. And, maybe and the rest of it is like... Half of them are one fig. You know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the rest of them we go... I'm cool. That's neat, right? Like that's yeah. a that's a nice thing. This is all Age of Sigmar all the time. Yeah, we got so five. I guess it's technically six individual previews if you consider the hidden one at the end, Ooh. the post credits uh, trailer. Yep. So I'll talk about that. Uh, we'll be talking about that for a little bit in the whispers section, and mm-hmm. you know we'll do the rest of the show same as same. Okay, sounds good. Then I think with that we will move on to whispers. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, it's hobby time for you and me. Yeah, I have been working on my start collecting challenge that Alex Gonzalez kicked off for, you basically had from February 1st to March 13th to get a start collecting box, build it, paint it, base it, and you know, just share it with folks as you go. And I finished mine yesterday. Brendan, they look amazing. Thank that you. That is just a great job. Just so, a great job. Yeah, so for folks who don't know, I picked the Caradron Overlord Start Collecting Box. Mm-hmm. Which you brought over to the studio I, today. I did. To show off. I looks took, great. I took pictures in the Discord. I took pictures on Twitter. But I had to show somebody. <laughs> I'm so proud of them. I had to show somebody. It's so cool. So if y'all remember from a couple episodes ago, you know, we were talking about hobby resolutions that we wanted to, to do. And, and one of mine was improve my basing and another one was you know try out some different colors some different paints some different techniques Hmm. and i managed to do a little bit of all of that with these guys Mm -hmm. the basing part as i talked about was you know the thing i may be most afraid of in in the hobby part of it you know because to me it just seems so crazy how people get Mm -hmm. some of these results and i saw a recipe on twitter for ice bases that Ben Johnson had shared from a GW Berlin or, you know, Mm -hmm. a GW in Europe somewhere. And I looked at the recipe and I was like, man, I know I can do that. Like Mm -hmm. that is, I had to buy a bunch of supplies to do it, but I was like, I know I can get that result. Like that is in my skill level. Sure. So with that as the, what the result was going to be in the back of my head, now it was so cold, I couldn't really work on them. 
Uh, but Strangely I, enough, they're ice bases, and it was so cold. Yeah, I, I had a lot of visual <laughs> reference outside my window. Yeah. Uh, you know, on my way to work every day, I was yeah, like, oh, I know, I know exactly what this looks like. Uh, so, yeah. uh, with that standard in my head, I worked backwards with what I wanted to do with the models. The Caradron models, as folks know, are really, you know metallics heavy armor heavy mm-hmm. and i had purchased a bunch of vallejo metals at the recommendation of bryce and ty mm-hmm. and i had really never used them because they were for a separate project we were working on i you sure. know my recipes for everything else include something in and of itself that is not that and i was like well this is a fresh start you know we can do this and so use the vallejo metals and i was like okay and we're gonna stay away from red you know, I I think the only red on these models are the you know are the little eye lenses yeah, yeah. on it, and you just couldn't help yourself. Either. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be right. So I did uh, I did green cloths. I did you know whites. I did some freehand hazard tubing and the ice bases. So that's mostly what I've been working on. And as a result of you know having finished that up, I'm working on my uh, slaves of darkness stuff again, mm-hmm. which. Uh, falls into line with the game we played. I literally walked away from our game and sent an email, you know, with the rest of the materials I needed. Yes. And it turns out I had owned the most expensive 50% of the army. The <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that game. Sure. Oh, God. Yeah, that's what I've been, you know, making, you know, wow. building. building. Oh, it's a lot of stuff, and football is over, so I got nothing but time, right? It's, uh, <laughs> what about great. you, Dan? What have you been... I got... Two more boxes, two more starter boxes of Beast Claws built and primed. Nice. So really nice. So I'm up to 12 Morn Fangs, and I converted one of the Stone Horse. I have two Stone Horns and a Thunder Tusk now. Because what I'd like to have ultimately is four Stone Horns and one Thunder Tusk. Mm-hmm. Just to try that in a list. I showed you that one list sure. that I had seen. Haywo came up with a list like that when I watched him on Coach, in fact. And I thought, kind of interesting. Uh, just some of the reasoning behind stuff. And so that's kind of what I want to have in terms of, by that time, I'll have 20 Morn Fangs and then five big guys, which gives me so many options. Just, it's a Objectively too many Mornfang, but everybody owns objectively too many Mornfang yeah. if you're playing Beast Claw Raiders because it makes it only makes financial sense to buy the start collecting box. You're nuts if you don't. I mean, really. Because you have everything you need in there. I mean, and yeah. you're either getting the Mornfangs for free or you're getting the stone, you know, the big guy for free, one way or the other. Sure. I've been working on that, and that I'm really happy that I got those. I so I got one more box to do, just building and priming. And it's been nice because I've made progress on my audiobooks too at the same time. But other than that, I really haven't been doing a whole lot of hobby outside of that because, you know, I'm kind of waiting for that one thing we're going to talk about to drop. And then I'll have 50 models to paint. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about what that mystery thing is in a minute. Sure. So very cool. A lot of hobby. Uh, let's talk about stuff that's dropped now is actually on the street. Yeah, new releases. We got two battle tomes. We yep. got daughters, and we have Hedonites. Yep. And when I saw all the figs, like at one time that have dropped for Hedonites, man, you got both the archers. You got them on the the steeds, and you have them on foot. Yep. You have the two sets of warriors. Yep. The really kind of heavy for Slanesh, they're pretty heavily armored. Oh, very. Guys. Yeah. Um, you have the goat guys, which are cool. The Slangor Fiend Bloods. Those are so neat. If they weren't objectively <laughs> terrible, which we'll talk yeah. about in an episode. The model is uh, cool. Yeah, the, the models model is are cool. Model is super cool, but spoiler alert, they are 
garbage. <laughs> that sounds like what are those uh, glaive? I can't think Glave of Wraith stalkers. Yeah, they're, they're like oh, that. see, the difference is is I can imagine why you would use a Glave Wraith stalker in a battalion oh, okay, or, or okay. something else. Like I see a purpose sometimes. Uh, they're guys. not great. Oh, you have no. things that you would probably take before them. Yeah, I do not know under what circumstance. Other than these models look really cool, and they you would take them because okay. they are worse bulgors. But that is for episode sixty nine. Yes, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you can already tell. You will hear all this again. Yeah. <laughs> so we have those guys. We have Sigvald is out. So I stopped by the Games Workshop yesterday because yes. uh, that's just right around where I grocery shop. Yeah. And I walked in there and I was like, "Is I was like, man, I really want to buy a Sigvald." Like I kept myself from doing it. Mm-hmm. But what a what a cool model. He's amazing. I did get him. I got both the books. I got him and I got the cards just because. Who mm-hmm. knows? I was like having... Because we're so blessed in Sigmar that we actually have those cards. Yeah. Because they do not have that on the 40K side. Not even close to it. You have to make your own if you want to do that. So I always like having sets of those things just in case I get interested. And so sure. Because once they're gone, I mean, they're hard to find after like six months. They're almost always gone and really tough to find for yeah. armies. Especially if it's a popular army. Mm-hmm. If it's a less popular army, then, not so you know, much. I think our store is sitting on a stack of like eight Sons of Bayamut uh, <laughs> cards. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that it's a four war scroll book. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and if you can't learn the four war scrolls, and I got bad news for you. <laughs> this may not be your game. Yeah. So that, and then, like I said, the giant gluttony guy is there. He's he's all ready to go. That stuff is all on the street. And again, we're, as Brendan said, we're going to talk about the Battle Tome next episode. Uh, let's talk about our game games played, including ours. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go to the Mortal Realms preview, because that's going to take up the vast majority of time here in Whisper. So sure. games played, let's talk about other than Sigmar first. Cause, okay. Because we have our game to, to talk so about. So I am almost done with XCOM 2. I have 36 hours in. Wow. So okay. I've tossed another 25 in over the last two weeks. Is Robot Boy still doing a great oh, job Robot for you? Boy is kicking butt. Okay. Uh, he is so dumb and overpowered, and I love him. Him. I have managed to like hold off the main story of the game, like with the like just I keep jabbing, I, I keep knocking out just enough of it where the uh-huh. game doesn't like start to penalize me for not doing it. Sure. I have made contact with every region. I have built, you know, everything that there is to build. My teams have all of their gear, and I have just started the process of finishing the game. Okay. And my characters, like, I have ten kernels just in you know with all super heavy war gear with all loaded out with special attachments and Mm -hmm. things like that and you know the reason you have 10 kernels is you have one kernel of each variety that has Mm. you know mained each of the different trees it splits splits into and i have the current you know my robot boy is kernel equivalent Mm -hmm. and my psi operative Cool. I love how stupid the Psy operatives are in this game. Uh, when you like fully level out, you know your Psy operative, you get you gain access to a spell called Domination, mm. where basically a dice roll against your Psy ability versus their will. If you pass that check, you have full control over that enemy unit for the rest of the battle. Oh, that's or crazy. until they die. That's crazy. 
The, Why fight? <laughs> well, so like what I'll do is like I'll go control like one of the aliens and then just send him as far oh, into sure. the base as I can to just trigger everybody and, you know, have them start, you know, working, feeding oh, towards yeah. me. And yeah. I basically just stand outside the building like everybody with their guns ready. Oh, yeah. That's one option. The other one is, is I just keep working through the level as normal. And, you know, like it's an extract mission or something like that where your guys have to, you know, enter a three by three square Okay. And they're pulled out. The PSYOP, as soon as he leaves the battlefield, you lose mind control over that enemy. That makes sense. So I always extract the Psy guy last, which leaves this kind of like funny image in my head of there is this, you know, 15 to 20 dead aliens. There is no XCOM squad around. Yes. And now you just have this one alien guy who's just coming to and just the buildings are destroyed. You know, his squad mates are gone. And the only question you can think he could ask is, did I do this? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what is going on here? That's crazy. That's cool. So that's, you know, like one of those like weird, like narrative things sure. in my head that as I look at, I have a nice little chuckle, but working my way through it. And then I'll probably reset with an XCOM 2 War of the Chosen because mm. I have all the DLC. I thought that like... It's like an expansion then. Which I think it's just basically the main game overlaid with some other mechanics. I, I thought for sure that when I just pressed play it was gonna you know load all that stuff with it but it didn't that's okay it's a fun game i like playing it i have it so that's wonderful but i will say though the the alien rulers dlc pack that went into it i hate so much they are such an incredible pain in the butt okay to deal with they're cool i like the idea but the fact that they activate on every single one of your actions is a nightmare to manage wow yeah, every time you do something, they also do something. Phew. God. So. Crazed. Yeah. All right. It's something. So that's that's what I've been playing. How's your Civ Beyond uh, Earth? Yeah. Uh, I finished up my legacy. There's a lot less AIs in Beyond Earth. Mm-hmm. There's only like 12 or 13. I don't even know if there's that many. Anyway, so I finished them all. I only lost once. And when I went in, I decided if I lose to somebody, I'm going to keep playing them again until I win. Okay. So there was one guy that just, yeah, he, I think I talked about it before. He, it was bad. Just so kept kicking your butt. He brought like 13 military units and I had like two. Mm-hmm. That's all he had done. He hadn't even tried to build up his infrastructure at all. He just built guys and just rushed me. I was done. I just quit. Because there's no way I was going to do that. No matter how tactical I got, I just was going to lose. So I played him again. And basically, to punish him for the first time, I knocked out all of his cities except for his capital. And I basically laid it under siege. So I let him keep playing for a few turns while I like raised all my stuff. You know, treating Otherwise- computers like this isn't going to go well for you when they rise up and take control. Because they'll remember. Yes. So I beat him and then everybody else. Again, some really close games because I kicked it up to the highest level and it was great neat challenges so that's all done then i started playing starcraft 2 again a little bit okay i'm what i'm doing now is i've got you know a few favorite episodes or scenarios in each one so i'm going back to that one and i'm raising the level now because i normally play at the normal level sure so now i'm going back and i'm going to the harder level and then the brutal level just to see how i do and it's kind of fun it just because it is ultimately narrative. Even during the game, there's stuff going on, and somebody will appear in a window and say something, and you're like, oh, this is just, you're like living that thing. It's very cool. That's really what I've been doing. It's a fun game. Other games. So now. You and I played a game. 
Oh yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. What am I doing? I mean, doing? if you want to skip over it, that's no, no, fine. No, no, I don't. Like, I, no, I, I no, wait like a I thought like that was the whole section. <laughs> Jeez. You even include a note, woohoo, we played a game and other stuff. <laughs> yeah, so that should have been the focus. Yeah. My apologies. I, I mean, so, like we can skip it. That's fine. You came up, so it was my night haunt. Mm-hmm. And your... So I, so and no, I my borrowed... My night haunt and your Varengard, period. Let's just, mm. let's call it that. Let's not call it a Slaves of the Darkness army. Let's just call it your Varengard. Yeah, so I, so I saw this list or a variant thereof played by Dave Kerr and then talked about on Coach's show. Yeah. And I looked at it and I was like, this oh. is magical. I love this. I love what this does. Mm-hmm. I, like I, I love the combos that roll into each other. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I was like, I just got to try it, right? Like, you know, to see yeah. see how it does. I'd recently purchased some Varengard from the Mini Stomp Thanksgiving Super Sale, you know, before Christmas, and it's like, you know, I'm building and painting some Slaves of Darkness stuff. Like, let's put it on the table and see what it does, right? You know, like yeah. let's let's see if this works the way that like I, you know, and you had how many of them? Six. Okay. A unit of six. Just to clarify. Okay. So it's a Knights of the Empty Thrones list. If you want to listen to more of it, go to AOS Coach's show. Dave Kerr is the guy, you know, who who ran this. My changes were minute. Uh, yeah. Like, and <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It, it was one thing to kind of like theorize what this was on paper. Mm-hmm. It was another thing entirely to put it on the table and in one combat phase pull off a quarter of your army. Yeah, you you knocked that what fifty of my chain rafts, I yeah. think, in one turn. Yeah, yeah, out of my eighty, you, you knocked in, out 50 in one of combat phase yeah. with one unit. Yeah, it was pretty wild. It was insane to watch it happen. And as always, you know, I'm doing that. I'm trying to think what else could I have done. There's nothing else with my army that I could have done. There's nothing I have that can stop that, especially with the fact that you're piling in twice. Mm-hmm. You're piling in six inches. You well, just the, the to... first pile in is six inches. Right. The second one I can only trigger if I'm within three. Right. But I had left one guy touching what was a 20-man unit because I knew I wasn't going to be able to get through the whole thing. And you did the Tokyo Drift thing with your bases, and so everybody got. So touched. everyone was spaced out, and it was uh, a it was a thing of beauty, actually, even from my side to watch it. But just to see them wreck so much, and they're re-rolling all their hits, they're rolling all their wounds. Holy mutt! But oh, that is the function crazy. of that is you have to get a spell off. Yes. Right. So yes. depending on the opponent you play, you know mm-hmm. they might just say no. Now you're re-rolling your saves, which is as long as you're in the right position is automatic. And they have three up saves. Unless you get the War Shrine prayer off, yep. in which case they have a two up save. Yes. Which is pretty all right. <laughs> yeah. But that's what the the army revolves around, yeah. like exclusively. Yeah. Oh, it is. Is that and then the ability to provide buffer, you know, with marauders and with untamed beasts and then do some shooting with the flamers. I was pretty lukewarm on the flamers. I'm going to experiment kind of with what what okay. to do with the those other points set. I understand the intention that he put in there with was to, you know, provide some long-range shooting, but I don't know if, you know, there's not something there that can maybe better serve the army. I haven't fully explored the idea and the options to it. So maybe. Yeah. We'll think about it, right? And for my part, if I had made that charge, I, I basically brought up from the Underworlds my one unit of Spirit Hosts and my one unit of Chain Rafts. Mm-hmm. If I had made those charges, even one of them probably, it would have been good enough 
to make take the game last one more one more turn. turn. So yeah. I would have lasted third turn three, but then you just would have swept my entire army, including all my leadership, off the board. Sure, it was just frightening to see how much damage they did. And oh man, and you had sixes. Something was mortal wounds. Sixes so, on wounds, or so the way it worked was your sixes to wound my units in the plague touch war band are mortal wounds back back to you they're bounce back yeah the sixes to wound on mine are plus one damage yes okay but that's from being nurgle in a slaves of darkness army that was another piece of that list was having them nurgle right Mm -hmm. yeah so it was but it was having them nurgle to get the plus one save from the war shrine to fit Mm -hmm. into the plague touch war band because it has enough space to make it all a four drop. There's a four drop because mm-hmm. you have two units of untamed beasts in there. Yep, it was a thing of beauty though. It was fun to play. It was so fun that I walked away from it and I put an order in for <laughs> the rest of the army that I didn't physically own. Yes, and I was like a lot of proxies. I was but like, it doesn't all right, matter. you know, perfect. We're but it was great. We got to roll dice and I got to exercise a little bit. You know, I've been sitting in that kind of proverbial chair for too long, not rolling dice, not moving my army, not figuring out what my rules were and stuff. So that was really, really helpful. And, and I appreciate, you know, you let us um, do that. It was great. Yeah. It was great. Even when I get my butt kicked like that, I still learn something every time. And Yeah. I think Cindy questions why you come over to my house sometimes. <laughs> When I come in and tell her I've won, she's like, have you been drinking? (laughs) (laughs) Now, the one thing that we did figure out, which I thought was helpful and useful, was you kind of need to start with a coach on the board. Yeah. If you're playing the coach, just because you lose too much by bringing it in turn two, for example, you lose two turns of rolling for levels Mm -hmm. for for its benefits. And you don't want to lose those uh, benefits because it can make the coach a fairly decent thing that somebody has to contend with even without that but still you're losing a lot if you don't start it on the board and the other thing i was thinking about brendan was you know if i keep it close enough to my dread blade i can move it around the board anyway yeah you know so i still have that mobility with it 17 inches of movement that's just movement it's still really a mobile piece so all those things yeah so i'm going to start keeping it on the board to begin with so yeah something learned all right now now, now we can talk about the previews so let's go through what we saw, and the first thing was Lumineth, and just a potload. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like almost a dozen different yeah, it, things that we've seen new. It's a whole second wave of models. Yeah, you got the Blade Lords, you got the Bolt Thrower, you got the Terrain Piece. That shrine is just gorgeous. And I'm glad they showed another angle of it, because like at first I thought it was just balancing on the two waterfalls, and I looked mm-hmm. at that and I was like, nightmare i was like oh my god like who approved this there's a third point of contact <laughs> yeah it's still gonna be a nightmare to move around yes. like you know in your transport box yeah but it's not the insane yes is this balanced on two thin flat areas <laughs> of what is supposed to be water it's like oh boy you got the lawyer hero you have the guy with the scroll hero mm-hmm. you have the guy on the cloud hero you have the two heroes that are... The lantern guy with the peg shoes. Is that yeah, the that, guy? That's the scroll guy. The scroll guy, okay. You have the two heroes, the one that's, on, the, the one that's on the shoulders of each other. Oh, the, you, yeah, yeah, the twins. You, yeah. have the, you have the guy who is Tyrion's right-hand man from Eumetrica. That's Luriel, yep. 
You have the bow fox spirit of the wind. The wind cow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. In addition to what we know about the cavalry unit that's Mm -hmm. got, you know, spoiled a bit ago. Yeah. It's a full second wave. Games Workshop said that you're not going to have to buy that book if you already own the Lumineth book. But I believe what is going to be is all of this is going to be in Broken Realms Techless. Mm-hmm. So you're still going to have to buy another book anyways. I don't think that they're yeah. just going to give you the rules. This is entering feels bad category. Because mm-hmm. at least with Slanesh, it was two years. Like this is almost two years from where it was, which is admittedly not great. Mm-hmm. But Lumineth came out even at best. Months ago. That's it. Well, months ago for us, you know, they were supposed to be out you know, oh, sure, in, sure. in April, May of right. 2020. Fine. That is still a year, you know, between. Yeah. I don't know. I think that the models are cool. I, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they got an expanded range. I think I would have rather have seen that this had been one release together. Mm-hmm. And if there was stuff that you wanted to roll out in Broken Realms, you know, like a, a specific hero or something like mm-hmm. that. That's fine. I'm okay with that. If if you have, you know, like one of these other characters that ends up in Broken Realms and gets rolled into, you know, the army subsequently, okay. Yeah. That's very different. You're talking one, maybe two model kits. This is going to be a whole new, this is a whole nother army release. Yes. It's a whole nother line. I mean, completely. That, that sits really poorly with me. Yeah. Um, and the book, I mean, there is another book, too, because the cover was different than yeah. the first one. Yeah, so there so is another book. another battle tome. That battle tome is going to have everything from the first battle tome and this battle tome mm-hmm. here together and realistically everything you're going to see in Broken Realms Techless. Sure. Fine. Cool. But you are also getting that same information in Broken Realms Techless. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what... Well, my question is, do you think... I look at what happened with Marathi. There were things introduced, but it wasn't a mass. You think like it's going to be I focused gonna get, on it only, this um, thing only, because it's huge. Well, the, so Broken Realms Techless, we know, has rules for Nurgle and Bone Reapers and, and a litany of other armies. That, mm-hmm. that was in the preview for yes. Broken Realms Techless. We yeah. know that. Yes. I think this is going to have some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the majority focus is going to be on Techless in the same way that Broken Realms Marathi, the main focus was on Marathi. Sure. It's just that they didn't include, you know, the new War Scrolls from Shadow and Pain in the Broken Realms Marathi book Mm -hmm. because they didn't feel like they wanted to or needed to. No, sure. Because it's ultimately three or four War Scroll changes. Gotcha. Oh, fine. Okay. Mixed feelings. Yeah, the models are cool, but this... Just the way it's been done. Yeah, this feels not great. Fair enough. Then let's move on to a fun little kind of sideshow here. Okay. The Torturer, the Night Haunt model. Yeah. That is really fun. I'm... I'm, I can't wait to see how mediocre his rules well, are. Well, and here, here's the thing. Now, I was thinking, so, but the model, yes, I'm going to buy it. Yes, I'm going to paint it. I have every single leader model, at least one of them, of course. Some of them, I can only have one. But every single leader model, this is going to be another hero model. Sure. And I'll put it in my collection. My hope, because they were talking about, oh, he's a torturer and he's going to torture souls and all this thing, is that he ends up with something comparable to the Cathalar. Oh, wow, that would be nice. Uh, no, it would be. But I'm just thinking, if you're going to introduce 
one model like this, it this is wish listing, of course, for mm-hmm. me. It's got to be pretty powerful if it's going to be worthwhile taking. It really does have to be because you've got enough other stuff in that army that if you just introduce another guy who like affects bravery a little bit, like, okay, whatever. You know, you reduce people's bravery by two. I, I don't care. I'm not going to spend the 120 points on a guy who does that. I can spend that on something else. Sure. So hopefully he will be something like that that really has this massive effect on bravery. So what I want to see from this model yes. is that you can take an enemy hero hostage. <laughs> that would be cool. Like, put him out of action. Like, you can't use him at all, maybe. Yeah, you take him hostage. Like, there's a series of dice rolls or whatever that you have to do. And depending on how well you roll on D6 or 2D6 or however many dice it is that you want to roll, that, you know, you gain some sort of advantage against the enemy. Or wouldn't it be cool to kind of follow up on your thought was, like, so I pick a hero, whoever it is. And if I succeed in whatever it is, you can't use that hero at all. Not for in the hero phase, not in the combat phase, Mm -hmm. nothing that next turn. I think that would be cool. Sure. So we'll see. Model's awesome. It was a fun thing to see. And it was like, oh, something for Night Haunt. That's awesome. Because they've been around a long time. Yeah. Unexpected. uh, Neat. You know, we'll see what it is. But look, I'm not going to hold my breath on. No, of course not. You know, poor Gravesand Time Glass, you know, man (laughs) who made the army good. good. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. R.I.P. Gone too soon. (laughs) Never forget. So next we have the Stormcast guy, Steel Soul. Yeah. Who's the main character in Black Pyramid, which was a Stormcast novel. Excellent model. It just the hammer is what I folk when I saw it. I saw that hammer. It was like, oh, that's it's really a cool sculpt. I'm glad he's here, and it's, it's a cool. not hammer. It's a Sigmar hero. Yeah, that's good. I like that we're getting mm-hmm. characters that you know aren't from the main grouping of things. I'm totally cool with on the first wave that you want the heroes to be from the like the main sub faction mm-hmm. you're trying to sell. Cool, I'm good with that. But then like you have all these books that come out. Like, why do we not have a Hamilcar Bear Eater model? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People love Hamilcar. Yeah, he's great. Great character, yeah. Give me one of those, yeah. right? Like, how many characters from these other factions, these other books do you have that... What does it take to just every once in a while, here's a character, here's a war scroll, mm-hmm. you know, go nuts. Sure. And obviously, you know, you want to make it a character that, that people like and they want. Mm-hmm. But I think people are pretty vocal in terms of the characters that they like, you see it particularly on the 40k side where you have the longevity of the game and they have all these different sub factions and these special characters. Well, we and, got a Uriel Ventress model. Yeah. I mean, how many people wanted that because he's a very beloved character to your point. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I, I think as Age of Sigmar grows of the special characters, this should be more towards the focus of some of the quote unquote off brand named characters. That'd be great. Useful. And next is Hamilcar. Yeah, well, that would be awesome. It would be. I know Zach would be excited. He loves those books. The next one, awesome again. The Mounted White King. Like, how long have I had to look at one who was just kind of stomping across the battlefield? This model, gorgeous. Just exquisite model. It is this incredible blend of the aesthetics that you had in Warhammer Fantasy and the vampire counts and, mm-hmm. the, and the undead books brought into the modern age of Age of Sigmar and the molding technology, the modeling technology. And I looked at it and I went, 
Because, like, I have a, a pretty decent conversion for a white king on horse. Okay, sure. And I looked at this one and I go, well, I guess my guy's just a unit champion now. <laughs> <laughs> His guy is just going to be so cool. And they also mentioned he is part of a soul blight. Yeah. Which was a little drop, you know, a little hint drop there. Yeah, that's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Basically, what it's saying there is that the soul blight Gravelord's book is going to be... The Legions of Nagash 2.0, where it is going to be a broader mixed death uh, army of some variety. And that's cool. Not what I would have thought, though. I would have thought for sure, and maybe it'll be a sub-faction, but that the vampires were going to be pulled out and be their own whole separate thing. And they very well might. This might be like a big wah kind of book, where you have... Your vampires, and then you have, like, necromantic undead, and then you have mm. mixed undead. He could be part of a vampiric sub-faction, for example. He could be. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, right. okay. we'll see. I found it surprising. I wasn't necessarily disappointed in it. I know a lot of th- folks, myself included, thought that this was going to be a blood dragon model. Mm. Okay. And when they released it, I was like, oh... <laughs> Well, I was disappointed more for a lot of my friends than anything else. But, you know, like, because I just love cool death models. <laughs> yeah, and, I go, yeah. and I go, well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a blood dragon, but... It's awesome anyway. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'll take that. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of move on because the next thing that we saw... Yes. ...was the thing that a lot of us wanted to see. And we thought we were going to get something for sure... I don't think any of us thought we were going to see the whole stinking Curse City thing, though. Oh, Brendan. We saw all of it. Oof, it was like a 10,000-foot view of it. Yeah. You know? Now, before we talk about some specifics, one of the things, have you seen that graphic that's like a circle, but it has those little shields on it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, just kind of, you know, thinking ahead, how Blackstone Fortress had maybe half a dozen expansions, you know. Yeah, I'm it's probably going to get the same. Yeah, each one of those little shields represents an expansion or something. You know, if you go here, you're going to get this thing. This is that what this shield is. Mm-hmm. And expansion three is this shield over here. I'm kind of hoping that's what it is. It very well could yeah. be. What is the function of it? So we got 50 figs in the box. Yeah. Which is huge. And just to talk, at what, before we talk about the figs that we saw and all the other stuff that came with it. So we're talking 42 bad guys Eight heroes. But in total, you're talking about a dozen or so blister-packed size models. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just trying to think about price point on this thing. 200 bucks? That's what... Exactly. Good. Yeah. You're in the same ballpark that I am because just even 10 blisters is 150 you know, at least... Probably because they're around twelve, fifteen a piece for a blister usually. Oh, it, it's yeah. more than that. Heroes run about thirty bucks, Dan. Okay, well then hey. it's even so. Maybe two hundred is conservative, but I'm hoping that's what it's going to come out as. I got birthday money, yeah. So from her, so I'm going to. So I've saved it in my little metal box for this very thing. So uh, fifty figs amazing it looks like it's got some of the legacy pieces like they had a secret envelope and some other things where hopefully you can save the characters between journeys because that was a big thing about blackstone where you you know you go back in but before you go in or if you quit the game you got this little pack and you open it up and this is all the things you had before you mm-hmm. went in the last after you went in the last time and all those kind of things so we've got eight heroes we got five bosses we've got that vargolf guy 
I mean, so let's talk about specific models. That was so cool. Of all the bad guys, even the the main bad guy, I love that giant Vargolf thing. Yeah. That was just so awesome. I was talking to some folks last night, and I think I was talking to you yesterday as well. Mm-hmm. I am willing to accept the mediocreness of the fine cast Vargolf because what we got on the other side was so incredibly excellent. Mm. This thing is, it's huge. Oh. It's it's dynamic. It conveys feral vampireness, like in its fullest form. It looks horrifying. Yep. Yep. And like I can picture it, like you, like you, you know, walking through the streets of Cur- of the cursed city, you know, trying to get to the next place, and like you just see it like bust through a building and just like up the street, and you're just like, okay, oh no, <laughs> ever no one move. And, <laughs> Where was the other thing? So that was gorgeous. I really like the look of those three vampires. They almost looked like they almost looked like juvenile vampires. They were out kind of a a teenage gang, you know, kind of out hunting for prey and just the way they they were so they're dynamic. Early feral vampires. Early ferals, yeah. yeah. That was so cool. Of course, the witch hunter's still in there, but that ogre on the hero side. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So cool. I'm going to play him. And the healer, I really like the healer. Just the way her robes just engulfed her. And her, just the form that she had with all those robes just looked gorgeous. That was so cool. What do you think about those zombies with the stuff on their backs? (laughs) So of all of the models, those are the ones I'm not impressed with. Really? Really. It's a weird line to draw, right? Because this is all made up and and fictional and whatever. (laughs) Of course. I really despise the idea that these zombies are carrying around these stone tombstones on their back. Mm. Like, I get that, you know, like, some of them are, like, shackled into it, Mm -hmm. but, like, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me visually. Oh, okay. Like, some of them are wooden, and I'm like, okay, I guess, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, fine. Mm -hmm. Not my favorite. Skeletal Militia? Cool. I like Very the skeletal cool. militia. It's basically the Shadespire warband, but you know, made into a like a full unit where they mm-hmm. have, you know, like rusted out armor and, and yeah. things like that. Very so. nice. The death. Now, see those death ogres. The two big. They look more like orcs to me. That's what I thought they were at first yeah. too. Yeah. Until they said it, because they because like, they definitely went more green on the skin, and just uh, the facial design was very orc. Very orcish with the big, you know, jaw and everything else. I was kind of confused at first when they said it was ogres, but hey, it doesn't matter. You can paint them however they, however you want, but it's cool to see though that we have non-human mm-hmm. undead. Yeah, yeah, that is really really cool, and I love the mix of the heroes. The mixture is great. I'm not over impressed with some of the models, like the uh, Kurnoth person. Yeah, she's okay. It's just all right. A couple of the other ones are okay, but there's some that just pop out so hard for me. And I the love villain them. models are uh, they, you just see so much in them, like so mm-hmm. much just uh, attention and detail. You know, from mm-hmm. Gravedigger guy to you know Captain of the Night Watch, sure. The you know Super Smash Bat. The head of all of this mm-hmm. and his co-conspirator. His, his chamberlain or whatever the, it is. Yeah. You have an ogre vampire <laughs> at, at the head of all of this. 
And you have like his necromancer who has like all of his little pets. Yes. And yeah, I saw the bat hanging upside down. The bat hanging. He's got a rat. He looks like you know he's There's got a like big a rat. He's got like a crow. Yeah. The yeah. They're really cool. I'm looking forward to you know getting my hands on them and mm-hmm. you know we'll see if I can get like some of the death stuff at a reasonable price off of other people. You know who yeah. have bought. Or looking to break up separate ones because they want other mm. heroes or things like that. Sure. You know, it's pretty cool. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to actually, you know, playing the game. But, you know, I'll, I'll have the models separate for my Death Army collections. And sure. they have all have War Scrolls. Yes, which is really neat. Yeah. Very, very cool. Hopefully they're decent. Yeah. And you'll actually see them. <laughs> On the table. Yeah. yeah. That would be nice. Okay, I think that's about it. There's a couple really quick things. A couple of quick things. Yes. We had one more preview. We had a Diarchasm Bone Splitters. Oh, I didn't even mean that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Diarchasm Bone Splitters. We saw the last of the models. Mm-hmm. We saw Archer Guy and we saw the War Doc. And I love the Archer. I love that pose for an Archer for an Orc. It's so different than we've ever seen. So very, very cool. So that was there. There was the Underworld starter box. Okay, fine. Move on. And then the last thing you were going to mention. Bellacore. Yeah. We got a preview for a Bellacore model, which is everyone speculating that there's going to be Broken Realms Bellacore at some point here. Mm-hmm. And Bellacore looks huge. Mm-hmm. There is a Chaos Warrior on his base, and it looks very small <laughs> compared to the rest of the model. Yeah. Which... Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. He looks huge. Yeah. So we'll see how large he ends up actually being. Mm-hmm. But it looks like regular Bellacore is at this point going to be, you know, just tiny, stinking, derpy man by comparison. Cool. All right. Yeah. You know, we've got something to look forward to over the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah. As I'm sure, you know, they'll do a full preview of him sooner than later. And they'll build whatever else around him. So, yeah. Very, very cool. All right. I think that is it. Four Whispers now. Wow. This is a long one. And that's... It is what it is. It's the B-roll of the show. Yes, it is. Okay, so we are going to move on at this point, and we're going to talk about Daughters of Cain. Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, We're a time bomb. All right, we is back, and we are here with the beautiful Marathi, and she has brought friends. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Battle Tome. Brendan, we're going to kind of, since we haven't done this for a while, let's just remind people, why don't you remind them kind of how we handle Battle Tomes usually? Yeah, so we want to talk about the structure in an order and a sense in which, you know, you can gain the full context of the things that we're talking about. For daughters, this is going to be, we're going to start with the allegiance abilities, and we're going to talk about the heroes. Then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about command traits and artifacts and spells. Because you need to know about the characters that those are going to go on, mm-hmm. right? Before, you know, you have them. Then we're going to go and we're going to talk about the War Scrolls for the rest of the units. We're going to talk about the battalions. Then we're going to talk about the sub-factions. So that way, when we talk about the sub-factions, you have a full scope of what it is that these armies could look like and how the abilities could be applied. Because if I say to you right now, you know, you can get plus one rand on your Sisters of Slaughter... What does that mean? <laughs> right. Does it make him rend two? Does it make them rend one? <laughs> what do we got going? How many attacks is that? Is it worthwhile? And one of the things that we're going to do you know, here, since this is a book that is replacing an existing one, is there are going to be some things to talk about to explain to the listeners who are already familiar with Daughters of Cain 
uh, the changes that are important to be aware of. You know, we're not going to detail out how every hit profile changed or how, you know, every little minute detail are, you know, but in Hagnar, you know, one of the things to point out is it used to be within seven inches to get the buff. Now it's a wholly within bubble of a specific range. And it's a little bigger though. So, right. Yeah, but that's a significant change. So those are things that we're going to point out so that folks who are already playing the book, you know, can kind of spin through and, and just catch the, these moments or people who are playing against it on a regular basis know what to expect the next time sure. they come around to Sounds it. Sounds fair. Good. Thank yeah, you. Cause you have to do a bit of resetting here. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the blood rights first, which is an allegiance ability that really has not changed, but it is so powerful. And what it is basically every battle round, they get the reroll of something, get the reroll ones of something. Well, these are all cumulative, right? They are cumulative. And so it goes rolls or run rolls, run rolls of one, charge, charge rolls of one, hit of one wound, and then saves. Yep. Yep. One of the key things in here is that in turn three, your avatars turn on automatically. Yes, they do. Because otherwise you have to pray for them. That's to huge, turn on. especially with your cauldrons. Yep. And then in battle round five, the daughters of Cain miles you have don't have to take battle shock tests. Correct. Which is good because you definitely have fewer means of being battle shock free in this book. One of the things you're going to see is Witch Brew changed yeah, quite, quite a bit. A bit. <laughs> uh, so uh, these things, you know, have their own names. And they're all cumulative. So in turn two, you can reroll run rolls and charge rolls of one. Right. You know, in turn four, you can reroll those two plus hit rolls of one and your wound rolls of one that you pick right. up in battle round. So four. that's those are things that people would love to have, but they always have to pay for. Most people have in, to pay in for some it. other yeah. you know mechanic in form yes. of a buff or something else, and it just it happens to your whole army no matter where they are. That's amazing, and it triggers on the battle rounds. So you don't that's have to correct. wait until you know the bottom of three or whatever to get your reroll hit rolls of one right even if you don't get first turn you still get these yep in that battle round yep yep which, yep, is, yep which is really cool the next thing is fanatical faith death save whatever you want to call it mm. and it is your entire army it's not like a death save where you have to be within a certain distance of heroes things like that your entire army gets a six up slough mm-hmm. you know so mortal wounds save wounds or mortal wounds of a six on the entire army on the table yep. which is really powerful yep and then we have temples Subfactions. We'll talk about them. Right, later. you get six of them. Yep, and which is two more than we used to have. We have two new ones, so yep. we'll talk about those. When we well, we really point. only have one totally new one, right? Because the one was in Marathi. the one was in Broken Realms Marathi. Yep. For those of you who don't know, this new battle tome effectively encompasses all of the changes from Broken Realms Marathi, the Shadow and Pain box from around the same time that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broken Realms Wrathy came out, which changed the War Scrolls to the Snakes and the Canaries. Correct. Uh, those all got rolled into here, as well as other changes to other units. So okay. if you are already familiar with all those things, they're the same. So let's move on to our first heroes. Wrathy <laughs> <laughs> Kane, Shadow Queen. One, but not one. One, but two. Duality there. The one thing that I find the most interesting is that you can have two generals on the board in this battle tome. Yes, if you take Marathi. Yes. yes. So Marathi, if she's treated as a general, if she's on the board, mm-hmm. but you can also have another general, which is really nice. You can have two generals. So anything that affects the general, you've got more than one. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, she's named. And the other thing that's big is she doesn't already contain a temple name to her. Nope. So you can take her in any of the temples and gain the appropriate abilities, which is pretty unique for... A lot of named characters. Yes. 
because a lot of them are given sub-factions. Right. They, like, they are part of a specific sub-faction in a lot of cases. Yes, yep. that is correct. But uh, it seems to be the consistent theme in with the god-level characters sure. that they don't have the sub-faction name, and then they can join whatever they want and, mm-hmm. and be fair game. So... So that's Marathi Kane, and she's really your spellcaster. You got commanding presence from her. She subtracts one from hit rolls of any kind. So it doesn't matter if it's melee or shooting. She subtracts one from hits. And in the shooting phase, she would get uh, the lookout, sir, rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so extra hard minus to hit. Two. Yep. Uh, you have the one soul, two bodies, which basically what we're saying here, listeners, is this. That it doesn't matter which model you attack, little Marathi or big Marathi, they, because they are one, can only take three wounds, wounds th- per turn. Per turn. Right, not so, battle round. So you could take three in the top, three in the bottom. Mm-hmm. So the minimum amount of time, though, that she will last on the board is two... Two whole battle, battle rounds. rounds. Yes. yes. That's the minimum amount. Because the wounds get allocated to the Shadow Queen, who has 12 wounds. Because yeah. the... Doesn't uh, matter which one you attack. Yes, Exactly. Right. Now, the other thing here, Brendan, though, is that there is a deal if you have a rule that says the model is slain. Yep. She is not slain. Correct. Okay, what happens there? She takes three wounds. Right. Up to the limit cap of three. Right. Uh, so if you've already done two to her and you try to kill her outright, it only does one. Yeah, yeah. So she's tough to get rid of. Tough to move and like we talked about in the Broken Realms episode, the shenanigans where you try and mortal wound her off in weird in-between steps is gone. Yep. The You can't just endless spell her off the table nope. using a couple of you know, a couple of decent spells that run left, run right, run right and then you know, gotta chuck off a couple of, you know, wounds on her in the next turn. If you want to get rid of her, you've got to be really aggressive out the gate. You've got to go after her every single battle round. Yeah, and she's not necessarily someone you want to be up and close to on the sh- in the Shadow no. Queen version. Jeez, no. And even the on-foot version is... Yeah. She's got nine attacks total. You're with her shooting? Yeah. yeah. So she's got quite a bit of stuff uh, going on. She's got a great spell. Black Horror Vulgu is 36 inches. Now, what to me is significant about that is that's outside of Dispel range. Mm-hmm. So if I want to be at 33 inches away, I can still cast this thing at you. And it's doing somewhere between one mortal wound up to D6 mortal wounds, depending on your die roll. So really nice that she can pick people off like that. She can literally snipe heroes with that. Sure. And have a reasonable chance in a couple of battle rounds of knocking somebody out. Yeah. Uh, And at plus one to cast with three casting attempts and two unbinds. Wow. Amazing. We got a command ability for her, for Little Marathi. You pick one friendly Daughter of Cain unit holy. We got a lot of holy within here. 24 inches. That unit can shoot or if it's within three inches, it can fight. And this is in the hero phase. This is not new. We had this before. Daughters have always had this, but still very, very powerful. The thing that's nice, though, is she can make the Shadow Queen fight with that command ability. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's really cool. Very nice. So that's Little Marathi. Big Marathi. Beat Stick, obviously, in terms of her melee weapons, Mm -hmm. a lot of damage, three damage. She's got how many attacks is Heartrender's eight attacks? Three damage, threes by threes minus one. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Now that is something worth pointing out here because yeah. in the Broken Realms, Heart Render was minus two. Mm-hmm. So this might be something that ends up being FAQ'd here in the relatively near mm. future to be back to minus two. Okay. Or it is actually minus one for the time being, you know, play what's, what's in the book. Thank you. Okay. Uh, but that is something that, you know, you looked at and you went, hmm, that's a 
kind of a weird change to yeah. make two months, three months down the road. So we have the Crown of Serpents, which is swingy. I mean, on average, you're going to get seven attacks. So, and again, that's three by three, one damage. Then you have the Envenom Tail, which is pretty much like a crapshoot. You get one attack. Uh, but if it goes through... Ooh, it's six damage. It's three by three minus two Ren. Chances are, if the, if you get wounded, you're not going to have much of a chance of getting rid of it. And no. it starts out at six. Very, very nice. A Fury of the Shadow Queen... This is, uh, if she's within th- three inches of any enemy model, she had one to her attack characteristics of the melee weapons used by friendly canaries or snakes. Pretty nice. Well, those, those models already get a bunch of attacks. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then she's got the rules that tell you, you know, specifically how wounds are capped out right. because the Shadow Queen is the one that actually takes uh, the damage. So let's move on to Bloodrack Shrine. You want to talk about that for us? Yeah, sure. I'll talk about our Medusa characters here. So the Bloodrack Shrine is the Medusa on her version of a cauldron. So you'd buy the cauldron kit. You can build this model. Mm-hmm. You didn't really see him too much in the last book, but now at 160 mm-hmm. points for mm-hmm. the shrine, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Movement scales six down to three. It's slow. You'll, as are all the cauldrons. But you'll see that that's totally fine. Five up save, bravery eight, 13 wounds. Has a Bloodrack Stare, which is a 12 inch range missile weapon. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of attacking, <laughs> you roll a number of dice equal to the number of models from the target unit that are in range of the attack. For each five up, the target unit suffers one mortal wound. Now, you do got to get up and close to make this go. Yeah. And you're rolling for the number of models in range. So you yeah. can't just tag one. Right. And roll for the 30-man unit. You do have to have a lot of models in but range. But even 20, if you got a unit of 20 with one wound, that's six or seven that are gone. Yeah. Yeah, boom. On, and, on an average and that's roll. And that's, that's a shooting attack? It's a shooting attack. Okay, yeah, okay. So, yeah. But there's no hit roll, so no, it doesn't matter it, if you modify just, it. Yep, just roll the dice. It's just 25 ups. Yep. Okay. The melee attacks aren't anything to write home about. You know, she's got a spear, two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage d3. Mm -hmm. The staves are six attacks, scaling down to three, three by three, no rend, damage one. Mm -hmm. The claw, four attacks, fours by threes, no rend, damage one. The tail of serpents is d6 attacks, fours by fours, no rend, damage one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. Fine. Nothing there. But that's None not what you're doing right. with, with this model. Right. Right. You have the Bloodrack Stare, which is a great way to kick out mortal wounds. You have her Aura of Agony, which is mm-hmm. at the start of your hero phase. You can roll one dice for each enemy unit within seven inches. You're already kind of wanting to get in nearby for the Bloodrack Stare, so you're going to be hoping to trigger this on a number of enemy units. If the roll is equal to or greater than the Aura of Agony value shown on the model's damage table, which starts as a two up and goes down to a five up, as it takes damage. The enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, and you can't run just a bunch of blood rack shrines together and just pop off the <laughs> ability because you can only be affected by the this ability once per turn. Cool. All right. Right. Good. Yes. yes. That's a good thing. Otherwise, you, you'd be in this wild situation where you'd have three of them lined up just moving just across right the next board. to each other and they just kill every hero. They look at you and they put you in agony. And everybody's gone. It'd yeah. be like. Uh, God, I can't think of the movie. Oh, War of the Worlds. Yeah. Where you, you just have the big walkers and they just like laser beam their way through. <laughs> It'd be just like that. Bladed Impact, which is an ability that all the shrines have. Impact which, hits. Yep, yep. Which is when you make a charge move, you pick an enemy unit within an inch and on a two up it suffers D3 mortal wounds. Right. And all the cauldrons have it. Yes. Whisper Claw, which 
the shares with the Medusa, right? That's the other hand. It's got its stave. It's got the Whisper Claw. The unmodified hit roll for an attack with Whisper Claw is a six. It inflicts a mortal wound, and the attack sequence ends. Okay. That's nice. That's yeah. all right. Nothing too crazy about it. Uh, she's a wizard. She can cast one spell and unbind two. That, which is interesting. I found that really interesting when I did it. I like that they're moving towards, you know, instances of unbalance between them. Now, mm-hmm. it requ- it's a different burden on the player to keep that in mind. But it's nice to see that there are characters who are maybe more defensive and mm-hmm. or characters who are more offensive. Sure. It's nice to see. It has the same spell as the Bloodrack Medusa on foot and Feebling Foe, which is a, a nice. It's a, it's a pretty good spell. It is. Casting value of a five. You pick an enemy unit within 18 inches. And you subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit until your next hero phase. There you go. That's pretty good. To me, that's like the Night Hunt spell that does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. and the shrines are 160 points. And the Medusas are only 100 on foot. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'll pay the 60 points for, you know, was this seven more wounds? Well, yeah, for sure. Wait. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> well, one of the things I thought would be really interesting, Brendan, is if, if you're in a meta where you know there's a lot of hordes, Whatever those hordes are, mm-hmm. you know, 30, 40 models in a in a unit. Oh, Medusas are put, great. Put a couple of these next to each other. Boom, man. You're hitting them once. You're hitting right. You can hit them once. You can hit them twice. So you get 40 models. Well, you can you can stare them multiple times. Right. That's what I'm talking right. about. Yeah. But the aura of agony doesn't, still, doesn't trigger twice. You're talking about a third, you know, a unit of 40. You're talking about losing 12 or 13 on average. Mm-hmm. It's down to, you know, less than 30. You're going to lose another 10. You're going to take half of that unit off just for mortal wounds. Sure. And that doesn't include anything else that happens. That's pretty brutal. And you got to be careful because it is relatively delicate. And this is a model that wants to be close. Mm -hmm. There is some middle ground to give on that. Sure. And then you have the on-foot version. Yes. Which is nearly identical. It's movement eight and has six wounds instead of, you know, movement six and scaling and 13 wounds. Right. Also a five-up save. Also bravery eight. It has... All of the same attack profiles except for the goad staves, you know, which are you know your mm-hmm. little attendants. Has all the same abilities. Spell that, is the same. It, it spells the same. Cast one, unbinds two. Has the blood rack stare. Has whisper claw. Okay. You know, it just loses all of the the shrine abilities that you would have associated with it. You know, next up is the Melusi Iron Scale. Yeah, this is a new one. This yeah, is a new. So that that model comes from the Shadow and Pain box set. Mm-hmm. And is e is the combat Medusa version and right. can make your snakes battle line. And the first thing, Blood of the Oracle, is her ability. Each time this model is affected by a spell or endless spell, roll a dice and a five up, no go. So nice. Get some spell protection. A gory offering. I like this one. If any enemy models are slain by wounds inflicted by this model's attacks in the combat phase, you can add one to the attack characteristics of friendly Malusai models wholly within 12. Oh, man. If you've got some like pointy, pokey snakes and she's like right in there with the middle of them, mm-hmm. have her go first, kill some people. Boom. <laughs> that unit just has 30 attacks instead of 20 all of a sudden. Wow. And now... Ooh. You also have Marathi's ability, which if Marathi is within three inches of an enemy unit, that's another plus one attack that you can hand out for free. Gosh, it's crazed. Those are, you know, that's setting up the combo specifically yeah. to work in the way that you want. Right. But that is a pretty quick escalator. It really is. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why people are saying, you know, th- this among other things is one of the reasons that snakes are really back in the game. 
Mm-hmm. They really are a powerful component of, of any effective army. And you started to see it roll in with the Shadow and Pain and mm-hmm. the Broken Realms Marathi box set. But yep. now that this is all in one place and this is what it is, if you are a proud owner of shooty snakes or stabby snakes, you're going to want to pick up an iron scale. Yep. And if you don't already own Marathi, you're going to want to do that because this book really has brought their power level up, which is great mm-hmm. because the regular daughters still have power in a place. So this is the kind of list diversity that we're always hoping for when books get updates or when you get expansions to, to give you more tools in your toolbox. It's not just a, I'll pick the book up, plug and play. This is what I take. Boom. Yeah. It's there's, just there's, one thing. It's so mono. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think we all really despise seeing that. So seeing yeah. that, uh, cause as we go through the rest of it, you're going to see that there are a lot of paths forward. Yes. And this is just the start. Okay. Now, one of the things she gets turned to crystal, you can deal out a mortal wound on a three up. Nice. Yep. That's fine. Which is what the combat snakes have. Right. And then the combat ability or command ability once per turn in your hero phase, pick one friendly Malusai model again, wholly within 12. Until your next hero phase, that unit can run and shoot and or charge later in the same turn. In addition, until your next hero phase, you can roll 2d6 instead of d6 when you make a run roll. Whoa. Wow. That really expands that. Yeah. Now you're going to see that this army can really burn through range. command points quickly. But if you can set up these turns right, you are going to be in pretty good shape. Because I want to talk about the Hag Queen on the Cauldron. So why yeah. don't you hit us up with this new warband? Yeah, so you have the... Normally, we skip over these and don't talk about but. them. <laughs> this is one of the Underworld's warbands from Beastgrave. Morgwith the Bloody and the Blade Coven. And Dan and I talked about this for a period of time yesterday. <laughs> and it didn't make sense to me. And as Dan dug into the book and looked at it you know, closer, it didn't make sense to him. The combined War Scrolls is fewer points than a regular hag queen. Hag queen. <laughs> and what she the- is a regular hag queen. So maybe, dear listeners, you will listen to this and you will know something that we do not. And but- you'll understand after Brendan goes over it, why it is like, why would you not take her? This is the question that we're going to be asking at the end of this. Yeah, which is kind of the reverse from the way that all the other Underworlds warbands have been included. Where normally you're just like, okay. And movement six, five up save, bravery eight, five wounds. Cool. Standard daughter's hero. Yeah. She has the Glaive of Cain, which is a two-inch range. Three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one, which is the only distinct difference from a hag queen where a regular hag queen has a one-inch range and four attacks. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> That's not why you take her, though. <laughs> she is a hag queen. All the hag yes. queens have these abilities. The They have the ability to make a canite prayer. You pick from the list here, and you can only pick one of these each turn. On a one, you suffer a mortal wound. On a two, nothing happens. On a three up, the prayer is answered. Which, overall... Daughters of Cain have their prayers are really nice because most prayers in other armies go off on a th- on a four up. Mm-hmm. You know, Corn is one of them. Well, Corn has access to some rerolls, right? But overall, they're four up, and these guys are three up pretty much universally, which is really nice. Yeah, makes them much more reliable. So the two prayers that you get to pick is the Rune of Cain, and your melee weapon becomes damage D three instead of one. Touch of death. 
which is, you know, you basically do a Nagash, hold out your hand, you pick one enemy unit within three inches. Uh, if they pick the hand, holding the dice, the enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> the big change that you've all been waiting for here is Witch Brew. Oh, it's huge. So, Witch Brew has moved to being the automatic hander router of super dumb amazing buffs Mm. it is now less reliable doesn't mean that it's not going to happen but in your early turns it is not going to be something that you can necessarily count on Mm -hmm. the reason for that is at the start of your hero phase you can pick one friendly daughters of cain unit wholly within 12 inches of this model which Right there, wholly within. Mm-hmm. Big change. Instead of like within one or three so, or whatever it was. Sorry, Daughters of Cain players, no more chaining five witches back from the rest of the Dan. Unit. <laughs> yeah. Dan. Well, you sold your daughters to me. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Brendan. Uh, <laughs> to, to drink from the witch brew. If you do so, roll a dice, adding mm-hmm. one to the roll for each of the following abilities with this model has gained. Headlong Fury, which is the rule for battle round three. Mm-hmm. Zealot's Rage, which is the rule for battle round four. Slaughter's Strength, which is the rule for battle round five. <laughs> On a five up, you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit until your next hero phase. In addition, on a five up, do not take Battleshock tests for that unit until your next hero phase. So instead of it automatically going off, it goes off on a five up the first two turns yep. and a four up, three up, two up. Yep. And there are things to move the turns forward mm-hmm. for your units. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not auto anymore. No, no, yeah. no. Big, big change. Mm-hmm. Big, big change. The yeah. effects are the same. No battle shock and one wo- an effect on the wound. Yeah. So. It is just less reliable. I don't like this last sentence. The in addition on a five up, do not take battle shock tests for units until your next hero phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that could be reworded because my interpretation is if you pass it, mm-hmm. then... You get all of these. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. But that's the way I'm reading it. Okay. So she and her team are Hagnar specifically. So if you take her in like Kraith, for instance, she does not gain any of the Kraith abilities. You can still take her in that army. Correct. She can't hand out the Kraith abilities. She can't participate in any of the Kraith rules. Well, then the question, Brendan, is does she get Hagnar benefits? She does. Okay. Yeah. Right. If you're in a Hagnar army. Right. But if you're in Kraith, she doesn't get the Hagnar rules. That's the rule with anybody who already has a sub-faction mm-hmm. associated with them. You can take them in other armies. Like, I was running Catacros in uh, Petrifex. Sure. It's just, you know, he never got to use the Petrifex abilities. But that's okay, because he gave himself plus one save from his command ability. Of course. Separate book review. Okay. She comes along with a team for these 80 points. Which is pretty sweet. The overall war scroll for the unit is movement six, six up save, bravery seven, one wound apiece. The unit consists of four models. One is a snake with the heart seeker bow. And then you have just witches as the rest of it. Mm-hmm. The one with the heart seeker bow, the snake has a wounds characteristic of two. It's a five-wound addition onto the top of... And this is important when you talk about one of their abilities. Yeah, of Morgoth. So the snake has 24-inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. Yep, right. That's a Heartseeker bow. Yep. They have sacrificial weapons, one-inch range, three attacks, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. Typical witch blades. They're witches. Yep. The Heartseeker bow on a unmodified hit roll for a six does a mortal wound, and the attack sequence ends... Just like a Heartseeker bow does. Yep. 
And then they have this ability called Zealots of the First Temple. Roll a dice before you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to a friendly Morgoth the Bloodied. I don't know why it's keyword. You would only have one of them. <laughs> While she was within three inches of this unit, on a two-up, that wound or mortal wound is allocated to this unit instead of Morgoth the Bloodied. So, Brendan, this, to me... This th- is a ten-wound... Hag queen. queen. This is the reason, listeners, why we don't understand this. Because there's no way, if you want to take a hag queen, you would not take this. You'd be nuts. And it's less points than a hag queen. Sure. Which, again, makes no sense. The only drawback I can see is that it's technically two deployments. Right. If you're worried about drops. Right. And I'm not 100% sure how the combined war scrolls would work with battalions okay because like she has the hag queen keyword do they both go in the battalion mm-hmm. yeah i don't know uh, i good don't question i don't think so good question maybe does just she go in the battalion and they're an extra drop on their own i don't mm-hmm. know but in any case uh, i imagine a lot of Morgoth the bloodies are going to be purchased because they're really good <laughs> and hagnar is still really good so mm-hmm. yeah that's really good I don't know how I feel about the <laughs> about like the complete 180 we've just taken yeah. on the Underworld's Warband in this book. Yes. I haven't looked at the Slanesh book carefully enough to see if the Dread Pageant shares some of the same, you know, we'll call it nonsense machine. Where they were in all of our other previous editions, absolutely useless. Yeah. There was no, like, I think there was maybe one we talked about where we're like, okay, yeah. kind of. Take that unit. That's really good. Yep. Do that. And you will, if you play Daughters, you will take a Hag Queen. <laughs> At yeah. least one. At yeah. Multiples, right? That's it. Now we're going to go to the other two Hag Queens. One is the Hag Queen on the Cauldron, which I love. This is what I always played. And then the Hag Queen. And really, we don't need to talk about the Hag Queen because we talked about her already mm-hmm. when we talked about Morgoth. Sure. So we're not going to go over that again. So you have the Hag Queen on Cauldron. It starts out at a six-inch move, down to three, has 13 wounds, five up save, eight bravery. Uh, It has a torrent of burning blood attack, which is really good. It's 10-inch range. Which is from the Avatar. Yes. So the Avatar needs to be active to use And you have to pray for that the first two turns. Correct. Okay. And that's six attacks, three by three, minus one, one. Not bad. You have the Avatar Sword, which again, he needs to be activated. Mm-hmm. It's four attacks, two inch range to its four attacks, three by three, minus two, three damage. So it is really punchy and really nice to have, which is one of the reasons I took this one because I really liked having that Avatar on there. Yeah, when the Avatars are up and going, they can be real scary. This is, you know, one of the trade offs you make with the Bloodrack Shrine is you don't get the Avatar right. who would really help you in the in close encounter that the Bloodrack Shrine wants to be in close. When the Avatars are up and going, they are scary. They are punchy. Yeah. Uh, so you have the Blade of Cain, which is the Hag Queen. So that's four attacks, three by threes, minus one, one is okay. The Sacrificial Knives. Eight attacks, three by fours, no rend, one damage. Okay. But cumulatively, that's a lot of attacks and a lot of rolling dice, which is good. Uh, You have impact hits, which we've talked about before. Two up, D3 mortals. The blood shield is a huge piece of this thing now. So you add one to save rolls for attacks that target friendly Daughters of Cain units that are wholly within the range, and it starts out at 18 of this model. It's always been wholly within. Mm-hmm. That's no change. But And it goes down, but that's really, really powerful. Very, very nice. And if this is your general, there's other things that are going to happen. This The, the cauldron was almost always my general. 
when I played before. True. Idol of Worship, you add one to Bravery for Daughters of Cain if they're holy within 12 inches. You have the Priestess of Cain. So this model can chant one of the following prayers. And the one you usually chant is activate your avatar. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what you usually want to do here. Don't worry about the mortals. Getting that guy off, getting him wound up is really, really important. So, and you're probably not going to be in combat turn one. Right. So, you know, making your weapon damage D3 or doing D3 mortal wounds to an enemy, you know, with the yeah. with the hand check. Ooh. Is, that's probably not. And if you are going to be in combat, why would you want your one of your, is it three attacks to be mm-hmm. D3 damage when you could have the avatar four with four attacks, which is just three damage? <laughs> And you get the torrent, too. So you get a shooting yeah, attack as well. Yeah, and also that. Yes. Yeah. So it is actually, it is Wrath of Cain, and the specific thing, the specific rule is animated, which means mm. he's active. So the witch brew, same thing as the hag queen. So there's a hag queen on a cauldron. So yeah. that hasn't changed either. I really like this model, and I really like this model as a general for and, a unit. And how many points is the hag queen on cauldron nowadays, I think Dan? it's about 100... Let me just double-check real quick. Hag queen on a cauldron is 220. It's a fair price. Yeah, I think so. When you consider what a hag queen is, when you consider what an avatar is, the avatar is 130 by himself. The hag queen is, I think, is still a 90. So th- right there, you got, you're paid for. Yep. Yeah, so really, really nice. And we're not going to talk about the hag queen. So. Right, because it's it's the same as the Hag Queen on the cauldron. Right, it's just you know, not on the cauldron. <laughs> yeah. Brendan, why don't you talk give me up the other queen. one? Yeah, the Slaughter yeah. Queen on the cauldron. Yeah, we'll talk about the Slaughter Queen on the cauldron because the Slaughter Queen on foot is the same. This is the really nice <laughs> thing about this book, where you have the mounted and unmounted version. Now, one of the things that is really cool with this kit specifically is. When you build the cauldron Mm -hmm. and you put either your hag queen or your slaughter queen on it, you get a foot version of the Melusa, of the Medusa, and you get the foot version of the other one that you didn't build. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yep. You get them all if you want to run them around the board. Yeah. Yep. And there's a way to magnetize them and make them interchangeable if you want. Uh, The only one that's kind of hard is to magnetize it so that you can put the Medusa and the mirror on and Mm -hmm. take the rest of it off. That's a little tough. But between the Slaughter Queen and the Hag Queen, it's a it's a You want magnets when you're using this model. Very easy changeover. Yep. Thanks. That's good. So the Slaughter Queen on Cauldron of Blood, movement six down to movement three, same as all the other cauldrons. Five up save, bravery eight, 13 wounds, same as same. Torn to Blood, same. Avatar Sword, same. Her <laughs> specific thing is she has the Death Sword, which is one inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage D3. So mm-hmm. she's punchier than the Hag Queen by a little bit. Uh, she also has the Blade of Cain, one inch range, four attacks, threes by fours, rend one, damage one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Sacrificial Knives of the Crew, you know, one inch range, eight attacks down to five, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. Cool. Okay, it's yeah. something. Yeah, all right. It's you're rolling dice. Sure. This is the model that I would be taking as my general a lot. Okay. And the reason for that, you know, being is the blood shield, right? You got that, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you add, you know, right one of the save rolls like we just talked about. You know, she has the bladed impact as well. She has idol of worship. You add plus one to the bravery characteristics of daughters units that are within range. Yeah. Cool, right? That's good. She has 
The Pact of Blood, she can attempt to unbind one spell in the same way as a wizard. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, defensive. Also a priest. The Rune of Cain, Touch of Death. You can do those prayers. Oh, here, we were reading this wrong a little bit. So you can do your two prayer. You can do one of your two prayers, your Rune of Cain or your Touch of Death. Yes. That's its own thing. That's its own rule. Wrath of Cain is you can chant the following prayer separate. So now you're up to two. And also there's an endless prayer that we'll talk about at the end. You do your animated, right, which gives you access to that. But the thing that makes the Slaughter Queen particularly special is her command ability, Orgy of Slaughter. You can use this command ability once per turn in your hero phase. If you do so, pick one friendly Daughters of Cain unit that has not fought in the phase and is wholly within 12 inches of this model and within 3 inches of any enemy units, that unit can fight. This is very similar to Shadow Queen. Not Shadow Queen, but to Marathi Cain. Yep. Right. So if for some reason you don't want to have Marathi Cain on the board or if you want this ability somewhere else on the table... Mm-hmm. The Slaughter Queen is the other point of access to this. Sure. It's quite good, right? Oh, you yeah. Know, the Jeez. Being able to hand out an additional save is really nice. The bucklers give you another plus one to save, so you, your daughters of Cain are on a four-up in close combat if this is nearby. Which and is, I uh, almost always, when I didn't play Marathi, took a Slaughter Queen separate for nothing else on foot, just because I loved to have that ability. Mm-hmm. And I'd keep her close to a unit that I know I wanted to get attacking twice in a turn. At 270, she's a little pricey. Yes. But there is good value there. The ability to add all the defensive buffs that we've talked about so far, as well as to be able to hand out Marathi's, effectively Marathi's command ability on a discount, is pretty worthwhile. And then the Slaughter Queen on foot has all the same abilities except for, you know, the ones that are based around the cauldron, uh, except that she's movement six and five wounds. Okay. You know, okay. Beautiful. You know, nothing, nothing too wild there. So those are all the heroes. Yep. You know, all few of them, right? <laughs> so we are going to now talk about the command traits and the spells and the artifacts for all these. Sure. So that you know who these characters are and you know, what abilities you can give them and the like. And typically, again, just as a reminder, when there are six choices, we'll pick two. Two apiece. If there are three, we'll pick one. Yep. You're welcome to take a look, you know, through the book and whatever else you want to look at. These are just things we think would be of value. Mm -hmm. In terms of Daughters of Cain, Elf General. Well, I think before we talk about that real quick, uh, take the command trait section with a grain of salt. (laughs) Because the sub-factions, as we're going to talk about, are so good. Mm -hmm. I personally did not see a command trait that I would take over taking a sub-faction. If you want to make your own temple and you want to do your own thing, or you don't want to be locked into uh, specific artifacts... This is the section you want to pay attention to. If you really don't care, I'd say, you know, move on over to when we start talking about, you know, the artifacts. Sure. And a lot of, I I think a lot of people who are reviewing this kind of skip the command traits. They skip the artifacts because of what you just said, Brendan, because there's some really good command traits, especially in those sub factions. But as you said, there are some things in here that might be valuable if you don't want to play that way. So let you're, we're going to go through them and just see if there's something of interest. Sure. The two that I found interesting... For uh, your elf general. For my elf general, yep. So my... My cauldron, which mm-hmm. is what I usually had as my general. First one is Terrifying Beauty. Where same. You subtract one from hit rolls. Good. We got that one the same. For attacks, any. Melee or shooting. 
which is great. The other one I really like is Masters of po- Master of Poisons. Oh, okay. Because when you look at a cauldron, this is add one to the damage inflicted by each successful attack. It doesn't say not the avatar or the avatar, whatever it is. So everything that is an attack, any attack from your general. Well, I believe the cauldron is a mount. Which would preclude... And let's go back. Let's just double check. Hmm. Cauldron is a totem, well, but it is not a mount. When I look, it's hero, a priest, witch elves, hag queen, avatar, cauldron, and it's a totem. So, okay. If, okay. It's, if it's not a mount, then yeah. Then it's all okay. plus one It doesn't one say mount. Okay. We're only working we'll with one book right now. <laughs> so it'd be in the description section. It says that hag queen and cauldron is a single model. Yep. Armed with a torrent of burning blood. Blah, 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 armed with this and this and this. That's all it says. Okay. Doesn't then, say anything about it. it's not a mount. Okay. Then, yeah. So this will apply. That seems dumb, but all okay. Right. Yeah, so all the attacks, that includes the Torn of Blood. You'd add damage to that. That means almost, so every attack is going to be two or four. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazed. So I really like that. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorites for this. Yeah, How so about you? the other one, so I picked the same, the Terrifying Beauty as well. And then the one I picked was True Believer. You mm-hmm. add one to the okay. current battle round when determining the abilities gained by this general from the Blood Rites battle trait. And it's not cumulative. This ability and other similar abilities are cumulative. Okay. So that's pretty good in that, because I was thinking you'd get to activate your cauldron a, a turn earlier. But if there's a plus one damage that you can just give the cauldron <laughs> <laughs> for everything, because mm. it's not a mount, boy, that is something... To consider. Real stupid. Uh, (laughs) Why don't you go ahead and cover the next? Yeah, so the next one up is for the Medusa General. There's only three options here. I really didn't like any of them. But having to pick one, I picked the Writhing Coils, which was subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target the general. And And I marked one. Yeah, it it looks like you picked Arcane Mastery. Yes. In your hero phase, you can re-roll one casting, dispelling, or unbinding roll for the general. Yeah, and just I thought that would be good for the Malusi because that general, if, if you're if you take a, you know, Medusa, you've got one cast and two dispels. I thought that would be useful to make them an even more powerful magic user. So sure, and then we both picked the same one for the Iron Scale here, which is if this uh, is your general turn on a four up, you get an extra command point, and you can use them in this army. Man, yeah, you can use them. I don't know that you'd necessarily be taking the Iron Scale as your general. Mm-hmm. But even a Bloodrack Medusa, uh, oh, well, that's true. You have to take them yeah. as a... Yeah. yeah. But you might take the Shrine. So, well, but the Bloodrack Medusa would uh, only have access that's to... That's right. And then this is also if you're not taking a sub-faction. Right. And yeah. as we'll talk about in a little bit, especially in the Malusi section here, the Iron Scale and the Medusa, man, none of those are better no. than just being Hagnar nope. or Kraith or Calebron or Keltnar. Nope. It's just... You're, you're it's right. unfortunate. Like, I get why they still have this section in here mm-hmm. where if you want to do something specifically. But, man, it feels like it's been a long time since we've read through one of these books. And you go, yeah, this command trait is so good that I would consider, you know, not being uh, <laughs> some sort of sub-faction. Sure. Yeah. It's in there for narrative reasons, right? Or if you want to build something specifically, right. or if you're not going to bat- take a battalion and one artifact is just bonkers and you can't find some weaselly way to get out of it. <laughs> That's true. Then, okay, yeah, it, gets, it is what it is. So we're going to go to artifacts. Mm-hmm. And the first one is for Daughters of Cain Heroes. The two I picked was Chromeblade. And this is pick one of the bearer's melee weapons at the end of the combat phase. If any enemy models were slain by this... 
you can heal up to D3 wounds, especially for some of your smaller people. Again, I'm thinking of blood racks. You know, maybe you're going to give this to them. Is, is that or is, it, or is it just elves? It just says it says daughter of Cain hero. Okay. Yeah, no elves this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was interesting. Uh, so that would be my first choice. And then the next one's Bloodbane Venom. So pick one of the weapons at the end of a combat phase. If any wounds inflicted by attacks made with that weapon in that phase were allocated to an enemy model and not negated, and that enemy model has not been slain, roll a die. If the roll is equal to or greater than their wound characteristic, they are slain. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I picked two separate ones. I picked okay. the Amulet of Darkfire, okay. which is on a four up. You ignore the spell. And I wrote it down here as a thousand and one cuts or something yeah, like that. A thousand and one dark blessings. Yeah, yeah, a thousand and one dark blessings, which is you get a five up save instead of a six up fanatical faith save. And if you're not in a certain sub faction, that's worthwhile. Uh, yeah. Even if you are, uh, this is your own separate oh, right. entity. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Because Hagnar kicks it out in, from a specified location. This would be if you have a character that you're running around on its own. Yep. And so okay, awesome. we'll get to that in like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next we got the Bloodrack Medusa. Mm-hmm. And so I only found there's a couple in here, but the one I really like is the Shadowstone, where you add one to her casting rolls because that's she's a, she's a magic user. Mm-hmm. Let's make her more powerful. So that was one that I would take for her. I thought that'd be really useful. So what did what did you so think? I had the Shadow Stone and then the free teleport, which mm-hmm. is the, the sevenfold shadow. Yeah. Yes, the sevenfold shadow, which is cool. It gives you a chance to reposition. You know, you can do some kind of fake outs with your opponent, or the game has gotten too far past you, or you're on your cauldron and you need to be in a different place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the right keyword to take it. So then you just you know drop your cauldron down somewhere else. Yep. Or your this would be your blood rack shrine cauldron somewhere else. But yeah. I like the plus one to cast. I thought that was a good one. The fact that it's a one caster and a two unbind, you know, on the fence about, but okay. it's okay. I think the strength of the extra artifacts comes here in this next section with, the, uh, with the priests. Yep. And so this one is for priests only. The two I pick were the first two. Because, hmm. again, I'm thinking prayers. You know, you're focusing yep. on the prayers with these priests. That's why you have them. So the first one is the bearer knows one extra prayer. Useful. And then the second one is re-rolling prayer rolls of one. So that means you're, first of all, it's beneficial because you have another chance of not taking mortal wounds, which you do if you roll a one and you're praying in this army. And the other thing is, you know, it's a three up re-rolling ones. That's pretty you got a pretty good chance of getting those prayers off. Sure. So I think those two are the best. That's what I took as well. Oh. One of the ones that I wanted to know, uh, and it'll be in the form of an FAQ, is that you can cast three prayers per turn. But if you only know one, you know, from the prayer lore, mm-hmm. and you can only pick one of the two prayers on your war scroll, mm-hmm. And the cauldron is its own separate one that acts independently of your prayer attempts. Mm -hmm. And the endless prayer is its own extra one. Where's the third one coming from? Because, like, as far as I can count, it's two. Unless, like, this pile Mm. of four or five are their own independent things, then... And that means you could cast... You could attempt four or five. Sure. Doesn't that mean literally that's what that is? Yeah, I... Which is crazy. Uh, it's one of those ones that I raised my eyebrow at, and I was like, I'm not totally sure what we're doing here <laughs> yeah. with this one. But it could just be like when we were looking at the you know Legions of Nagash and the Nurgle books, mm-hmm. and we're like, this whole summoning mechanic is fine and all, but like it costs points, and I don't know who's going to do this. And it turned out summoning was free. So yeah, 
Yeah, no, so I, I took the same, so you know, let's move over but to... But you know what? If you attempt five prayers, you deserve to f- roll five ones and die if you try that many. <laughs> Just sorry. Oh, it man. could happen. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is Lore of Shadows, so it's for wizards. Mind Razor has changed a lot in this book. Yes. In that it is not dependent on bravery. There's no connection to bravery at all. If you, It has a casting value of eight because it's so good. The thing, though, that seems high, but there's enough stuff you can do you're gonna to get add either one or two to your casting rolls. So you're gonna, you have a good chance of rolling this on a six or seven, which is relatively reliable. So you pick one, again, wholly within, one friendly Daughters of Cain unit wholly within 18 inches. You improve Ren characteristic by one, and you add one to damage. Wow, that is amazing for a spell. And if you're casting that on a big blob of snakes or a big blob of witches, woof, watch out, man. They're just going to blender you. Yeah, it's making them rend one in this instance and damage two is pretty good. Whew. You can give more rend in other ways mm-hmm. uh, as, as we move through. So, yeah, Mind Razor definitely. And because it's not dependent on other things now, that's nice that it... I, I like that change. You can hand out... You can make these units some real blenders because I think the snakes become Ren too, and that is... Scary. Pretty all right. <laughs> not that I care about that, being a Lionheart player, but <laughs> it's pretty scary nonetheless. The next one I pick was the Withering. It's okay. a casting value of seven. Uh, you pick one enemy unit within 18. So this is targeting enemy units. Add one to wound rolls for attacks to target that unit. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Good yeah, stuff. useful. So those are my two. And then, so I picked Mind Razor. Of course. One, because yeah. it was worth talking about the changes, no longer being bravery dependent, but being charge dependent. Yes. One of the sub-factions lets you retreat and charge, so that's really good. Hooray. Another one I picked was Mirror Dance. Yep. Cast on a six, you pick two heroes, wholly within 18 inches, mm-hmm. and you set them up anywhere on the table nine inches away from enemy models. Yep. So it's a transport for your heroes. You shoot Marathi and the Shadow Queen forward and Whoosh. let's dance. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, here's a question. Okay. It says, pick two friendly Daughters of Cain heroes. Is she two heroes or is she one she's hero? She's two heroes. Okay, so you take... Because she's two models, she's yeah. two heroes. Okay, right. Just wanted to check on that. Yeah, they're two separate models on the See table. See if you wheedle it in, you know, like, and they actually oh, she's ha- only one. So and I they actually have two separate profiles and Correct. two separate points things. Right. So I would say totally they are delineated as two separate... Even, even though they're in the same kind of section in the points. Yeah, you have they're to the pay... Same. Yeah. They're the... Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, the... Because that's the reason I have the question around the Morgoth Blood Coven is because mm-hmm. it's both of them are total eighty points. Yeah, she's not seventy; they're not ten. It's just eighty. Where Marathi and the Shadow Queen is two ten, three ninety, and, and three ninety. Right. Okay. And just to go back to Mind Razor real quick, you add one to the damage if it charged. Yes. Yes. So just to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Coolio. Yep. Prayers. Now, honestly, have it been a daughter's player. There just aren't, to me, there aren't any bad prayers. They're just better. Oh, no. They're just better prayers than others, but there are no bad prayers here. So no matter what you pick, you're doing something good for your army. The two that I picked, that I always picked, I Catechism of Murder and Martyr Sacrifice. Yeah. 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 Catechism of Murder is, and this is wholly within 14 again. You got to do the, you get, you're going to have to worry about your bubbles now. You got that whole problem now that you're. You got, you have, you have bubble management, which is the difference really for those of you 
who I guess really haven't been paying too much attention, the difference between AOS 2.0 books, which mm-hmm. developed wholly within, and pre-AOS 2.0 books, which were within. Mm-hmm. And you developed this problem called daisy chaining, which is where you would string out the models as far back as you could <laughs> to maintain the buff and keep your enemy, yes, I did. heroes out of harm's way. <laughs> All the time. I did it too, with my yeah. legions. Yeah, right? you like did that it with your skeletons. I've seen the, lines the of weird, 50 skeletons. The weird here. shapes I would draw on the table <laughs> until the battle shock rule told me that you can't split units like that. Oh no. <laughs> A good change to defeat me. So, Catechism of Murder, again, Holy Within 14. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack is six, that attack explodes, and you get two hits instead of one. Pretty good. Nice. So, it's exploding sixes. Martyr Sacrifice. This is Bounce Back of Mortal Wounds. So, again, Holy Within 14. Before a slain model in your unit is removed from play, you pick one enemy unit within three inches of the slain model, roll the dice on a five up, you bounce a mortal. Nice. So if you lose 10 models, you get to roll, yeah, 10 dice and five up, you're good. Yeah, it's just chucking mortal wounds back, which is great. Of the ones that we didn't talk about, there's that's worth mentioning here since Dan and I picked the same two. We yeah. might as well hopefully... Let's you know, see what our third choice is because I've... It's Blessings of Cain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. you pick one Friendly Daughters of Cain unit wholly within 14 inches of his model. Until your next hero phase, you can re-roll fanatical faith rolls for that oh, unit. That is insane! And this is the one loophole around oh. what happened in GHB 2020, which feels like 97 million years ago. Nah. You know, for us especially here in the United States because we really never got to play with it where you can't stack multiple after saves. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the only instances which you can re-roll one of those after saves and you know, it's good. It makes it technically twice as effective. Yep. So, yep. And does it say re-roll one? Do you re-roll before we, you know, probably take a break here to talk about the regular War Scrolls, yeah. the thing that I walked away from going through the hero section was they are very familiar. There's very little changes that you are, you know, going to have to interpret from the First Daughter's book to this one if you were already playing it or against it. Mm-hmm. They're very similar. Most of your complaints have been addressed in this where the within... Seven inches is now a holy within 14 or or 18 in some cases, mm-hmm. which is great. That's perfect. It's big enough for as a daughter's player where, you know, that's probably right about the spacing you would have wanted anyways. And as a person playing against it, you don't have to sit there and be like, there's nothing I can do uh, about <laughs> this particular problem. Right. Cool. Good awesome. Stuff. Fantastic. You know, we already talked about Marathi in the last one. She's got some big changes that are going to be important to you. But now that we have the context for the heroes, we're going to take a break and then talk about the context of the, like, six war scrolls and then the couple of spells. And, yeah. Okay. We'll be right back then. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. We're back, listeners, for part two of Daughters of Cain. We have poured ourselves some glasses of talisker which we are enjoying slowly brendan is <laughs> enjoying I, the- i'm mostly just smelling it it's, <laughs> it's good stuff man talisker is smooth uh, good good stuff anyway so we're gonna start out with witch elves they still have a place yes but you're probably not gonna see you know 90 of them okay. on a table anymore three, the, three there, bricks it, of 30. there are a lot of diversity options okay. that are worthwhile taking 
So they are six inch move, six up save, one wound, and seven bravery. And they have one, uh, two attacks, one inch range, three by fours, no rend, one damage, which doesn't seem like a whole lot of anything. One of the models is a hag. And she has a attack characteristic of three. You have a standard bearer, and that can reroll fail battle shock tests, which it took me a while, but I'll tell you that's invaluable to be able to do that, to reroll the whole thing. Yep. And also you can include a horn blower, which means you can still run and charge. So basically is, they can run and charge. Yep. Which is great because turn one is you reroll run rolls of one, and turn two is you reroll run rolls of one and charge rolls of one. And wow. when you combine that with the ability to do both of them, Witch Elf's units are highly mobile throughout very, the entirety of the game yep. and become very effective starting battle round two. Yep, there you go. Now you have two options for how you can equip them. You can give them two sacrificial knives, or you can give them a bladed buckler and a pair of, and, and a knife. And a knife, yep. Okay, if you take bucklers you can add one to save roll so they have a five up save and in, in combat yeah in combat and if in in addition if the unmodified save roll for an attack is a six when you're rolling with your bucklers you bounce back one mortal wound and that is paid off for me many times because i always gave my girls bucklers and you can always roll your save dice no yep. matter what the rend of your opponent is now there's a chance you never make the saves right that's okay because every time you roll a six is a mortal wound back to your opponent, yep. no, mat- no matter the rend. Yep, so it's excellent. Frenzied Fervor, add one to wound rolls made with melee weapons if it is wholly within 12 inches of any Daughters of Cain heroes, any heroes. Mm-hmm. You get to add one to wound rolls, so they be Medusa, three by Iron Scales, Marathis, Hag Queens, slaughter, Cauldrons, slaughter doesn't queens, matter. Anything. Yep. Which makes them Great. threes by threes, which is pretty reliable and pretty good. Yep. Really is. And you can add one to attack characteristics if they pay, take a pair of knives instead of a right. shield. I think this is more play style than anything, Brendan, mm-hmm. because bouncing back those wounds is pretty pretty valuable. Valuable. Having an extra attack, yeah, if you've got 30 witches, you get six, 30. You know, I mean, theoretically, you can get 90 attacks instead of 60. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's just play style, and I think it's what you want as a player. I think the overwhelming majority of time you're going to take buckler and shield Mm -hmm. to be a five up save and you're going to be in range of the blood shield from cauldrons bringing them up to a four up Mm -hmm. which puts them in line and on par with a lot of other units in the game and your individual combat power is pretty decent what i could see you doing is having a having one unit that is all daggers and you just soup them up to the nines you know you toss Mm. in mind razor uh, get you know you just pump command points into them to get them as tooled up as you can, Ugh. and you just send them across the board as its own little self-contained knife bomb to just do as much damage as humanly possible, knowing that you're gonna be spending 330 points or so in the exchange, hmm. and you're gonna hope to do 500 is plus plus points of damage or to cripple those units in a way in which they're not going to be able to do anything and ideally you do it on your punch so you are still standing there and you're not going to receive much of a a punch back because you're going to be there with a six up save followed by your six up fanatical faith that's really nothing the the defensive version i think is is probably you know better and more reliable for most of of the selections that you're going to make okay 
So that is Witch Elves. Um, why don't you talk to us about Sisters of Slaughter, which are the girls with the whips? Yeah, uh, so one of the things worth noting here before we get too far on the Witch Elves is there is no more Horde bonus mm-hmm. on their War Scroll for being, you know, yeah. 20 witches or more. 30 for 300 now. And there's also no Horde discount, right? That 30 mm-hmm. for 300. We'll talk about this in the next episode. There's no Horde discounts in the Slanesh book either. I think that 3.0 is going to have no discounts for hordes no horde discounts interesting which interesting is okay right yeah, you know yeah. there's decisions to be made around it but we'll talk about what we have in front of us yeah sisters of slaughter have always been kind of the more acrobatic version of <laughs> the witch elves sure six inch move six up save bravery seven one wound cool all good they have barbed whips and sacrificial knives, and that'll depend on how you arm them. Sure. But the barbed whips are two-inch range, two attacks, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. And the sacrificial knife is one-inch range, one attack, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. Mm-hmm. And you can either choose to arm them with the whip and the dagger or the whip and the buckler. Mm-hmm. So the unit champion is plus one to the attacks characteristic. So if you are running the whip and knife... She'll add plus one to each of those profiles. If you're running it with the shield, you'll just add plus one to the whip. Standard bearer, same thing. Reroll Battleshock tests. Hornblower, same thing. Can run and still charge. The major difference with the Sisters of Slaughter is the Dance of Death, which is the same as what it was before, where the unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it is within six inches of an enemy unit instead of three and can move an extra three inches when it piles in. So it can pile in up to six inches. Sure. This unit doesn't need to charge uh, in order to engage in combat. Yep. And then the bucklers are the same. Okay. So the nice thing there is this allows you to get around, you know, what has been affectionately named the activation wars, you know, of the last year and a half or so, where you, you can stay at arm's reach, you can... Pile in and fight, retreat out, you know, do something later mm-hmm. without having to make the charge. It makes them less attractive for putting some of the buffs that you're going to have in the other places, which are charge dependent. And you'll see that one, which we saw in Mind Razor, and, and we'll see in the sub factions, you know, down the road. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, there's a trade off to be made there where not, you don't always want to be charging all the time for everything. Right. So they're a nice screen, they're a nice way to, like, be really annoying and pin things and sometimes mm-hmm. your opponents forget that you can pile in six inches and you'll just like boop, tag them on the end and they go uh, oh that's right and that's exactly <laughs> what i used them for with screens yeah i had two or three units of five of them and they work beautifully for that they are quite useful so let's get on to unless did you have anything else for no i was gonna say we've got a new unit to talk oh, about and this is so amazing so canine shadow stalkers oh <laughs> Gosh, this is these. So this is the Warcry Warband yes. that came out with Catacombs. Uh, six inch move, one wound, seven bravery, five up save. Has a couple of profiles. Here's got a missile attack, six inches, one attack, four by threes, no rend and one damage. You've got assassin blades, which are two attacks, four by three, no rend, one damage. Then you have the umbral blades, which is what your leader. I think the Shroud Queen, who's the leader, mm-hmm. has the Umbral Blades, and that's three attacks, three by threes, minus one D3 damage. So three attacks with D3 damage potential. Yeah. Very, very nice. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> Shadow Leap. What's the deal with Shadow Leap? Hmm, I wonder. My Seinfeld bit. <laughs> In your movement phase, instead of making a normal move, you can say that this unit will Shadow Leap. Hooray. Yep. If you do so, remove it from the battlefield, set it up again. Anywhere more than nine inches from enemy models. Wow. Brendan, awesomeness. Free teleport. Whenever you want. 
every movement phase. Doesn't matter. Not once a game. Anytime you want to. Just boop. Yeah. If they get in trouble, boop. You know, they're they're done, which is beautiful. That's a very threatening piece that you can, if you are really feeling it, you could, you know, turn one, you set them as a screen. Mm. You know, as your opponent, you know, moves up, you kind of teleport in behind them. You know, they go to turn around to deal with that. And you teleport back to your side of the table. <laughs> Just be annoying as hell. <laughs> so they have cursed missiles. So if you're attacking with the missile attack, hit rolls of six, inflict one mortal wound, and the attack sequence ends. Okay, we've yep. seen that before. And then this is the other nice thing about them. They have har- they're harnessing their shadows. Subtract one from hit rolls made with melee weapons. So if they do get them in close. Now, this unit is only 100 points. It's so good, though. Nine models. For a hundred points, Brendan. Mm-hmm. That is, it's comparable to Witch Elves, right? Which right. is ten models for a hundred right. points. I'm just telling you, if I were to play witches again, I would not take canaries. I mm. would rather invest that hundred points here. Number one, I'm getting four more models. Number okay. two, when those canaries come down, they are done teleporting. They are done coming in. These guys can move around every turn that you need them to move around sure threatening objectives just being a pain in the butt they're they're awesome for 20 points more than your five canaries they have a shooting attack which is great you have nine models so you get nine of those cursed missile attacks because they have nine models Mm -hmm. instead of just five from your canaries now they're not they're only six inch range Nonetheless, I just think for the extra 20 points and the four models that you're getting more, I think these guys give you a lot more flexibility, and I think they give you a lot more value for the points that you're going to spend. And typically, if you're a if you're a daughter's player, you're going to take one or two units of canaries just because they add another thing that your opponent needs to worry about. Sure. And I think these guys really do that, but with some bonuses. What are your... I'll argue my counterfactual when we talk about the canaries. I won't disagree with you. That's a very good unit. I think the difference is is that the combat canaries have really upped their damage potential uh, in this mm. in this new version of the battle tome. Where I believe Doctor Alex Milonis posted on Twitter that a unit of twenty can, in one combat phase, do more wounds than the average army has available to it in a single go. Yeah, we'll get to that in just okay. a minute, but. I think both have value. I get what you're saying with the with the Shadow Stalkers, where it's more of the long game play with them. Mm-hmm. The Canaries are no longer that thing that you hold off to the side of the table until, until turn four or turn five. Canaries are damage dealers now. Mm-hmm. Canaries are offensive weapons to be utilized in the extreme. Okay, so what I want to do is we're going to skip over a few of the... And uh, we're going to talk right about canaries? Canaries, because I okay. think that's a great segue for what you're just talking about. So talk to us about why they are so explosive. So the Life Takers are the combat version, yes. which is the one that you know we're discussing here point to point. Move 14, 6-up save, bravery 7, 1 wound. Now, it's five models per 80, right? I think they're 100. They're 100? No, they're 80, yes. 80 for the Canaries are 80 versus 100 for the Shadow Stalkers. Yes. Yep. Heart Renders and Life Takers are both 80. Yep. And the Shadow Stalkers are... Or 100 for 9. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100 for 9. So, okay. I'm here with you. I got you. The unit champion adds plus one to the attack's characteristic. Fine. Their weapons are one inch range, two attacks, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. So they're basically like witch knives, same same kind of profile. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. All right. So death on the wind, you add one to the damage characteristic of this unit's barb sickle and improve the rend characteristic of the weapon by one. 
the same turn if it made a charge move. Okay. So they become damage two and rend one. Oh. And, you know, they have deep strikes. You can set them up nine inches away, but they don't get anything special for doing that. So, meh, whatever. Right. Yeah. Fine. As opposed to the heart renders, which have a little special kick that they mm-hmm. can use. Yeah. So right now, you know, in turns in which you make a charge, your two attacks, your threes by fours, your rend one, damage two. Okay. Cool. Got it. Yeah. After you fight on a four up, you can make a retreat move of six inches. You can't run. And then you have the heart piece piercer shield. You had one of the save rolls in melee. So they're a five up. Mm-hmm. And then on sixes, you deal the mortal wound back. Right. Now, it's important to remember with these guys that you have the ability to buff them with Marathi, right? Mm-hmm. So that they get plus one attacks. Now they're three attacks, threes by fours, no uh, rend one, damage two off mm-hmm. the charge. You have the opportunity of tossing Mind Razor on them. Mm-hmm. So now they're three attacks, threes by fours, rend two, damage three. three. Yeah. Damn, for 80 points. That's pretty amazing for five models. That's pretty all right. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. So No arguing there. Yeah, so if you want to take it out to the extreme where they're no longer the intention is being that like super cheap objective unit, these are targeted unit removal missiles, right? Like they, Mm -hmm. they have a very specific purpose. And they're moving 14 inches. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I mean, moving. these, to me, right away, I mean, I'm sure there's other utilities. These are screen busters. You go in, you could knock out how many models off of a screen, just blow it away, and then everybody else can, like, you know, boom, go in. Yeah. That sure. That would be excellent. And, like, if you want to take uh, the buffs things. and the nimes, you put the prayers on top of them where sixes oh. to hit explode. And, yeah. you know, sure. like, you have all these other things that, like, are really extra that you now, can... Now, what's the largest... Uh, 20. Units? 20. Wow, 20. That's, that's insane. Now, granted, they're on 40s, so their base size is, is pretty large. Their ability to get some of these buffs is pretty contained, but... I would say in like five mans where you're not trying to do anything too special, mm-hmm. sure, they're screen busters. But like you can take a unit of 10, toss the buffs on them, and then chuck them into something real. Wow. And and you're going to do some damage for 160 points. Uh, my Mortec Guard aren't necessarily going to want to see this. No, no. You know, like the full to the nines version of this. Yeah. 30 attacks, threes by fours, rend two, damage three. Poof. <laughs> You only need to get six or seven of those through and they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. A unit of 20, they're done. So I think they still have a place. That's my opinion of it. I don't think the Shadow Stalkers have totally replaced them. Mm -mm. They serve two separate purposes. And that's one of the really nice things about all the War Scrolls in here, except for really one of them. You can see and imagine a home for them in any list that it is that you're writing. Okay. While we're on the topic of Canaries, you have the Heart Renders, which are the shooting version. They haven't changed a whole lot. Yeah, same top profile, you know, 14, 6 up, 7, 1. They have a shooting attack, 12-inch range, 1 attack, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. And then in combat, it's a 2-inch range, 1 attack, 4s by 4s, rend 1, damage 1. Neat. When uh, this unit can run and still shoot later in the same turn, in addition, improve the rend characteristic by the barb javelin by 1 if it was set up on the battlefield in the same turn. So in the turn it's set up, it's rend 2 on the shooting attack. All right. Okay. Okay. It has the same, you know, setup in the sky. If it's not on the table by battle round four, it's dead. Right. Same as same with just everything else that's come out since 2.0. Fire and flight. When you shoot on a four up, you can make a six inch move. You can't retreat or run. So you can't do it out of combat. And then it's got a shield plus one to save in yeah. close combat. And then sixes are mortal wounds. Now, Brendan, for these two, 
what we're saying here is like if you're going to put like you want to you talk about your life takers you want to kick them up to the next level mm-hmm. and you can put mind razor on them or whatever else you're going to put on them all these prayers those are a thing that you're not going to use if you're going to do that to life takers to make them just beat sticks you're not going to deep you're not going to use these for deep strike you're not going to use these for surgical no you're going to have a unit of 10 or 15 or 20 right. depending on how nuts you want to go right you're going to hide it behind your screen you know, turn one, you're all going to kind of move up. You're going to buff them up, and then you're going to go, here you go, boys. The life takers are going to just slam into something because mm-hmm. they can move so far. That's yeah. one of the issues. Heart renders are still more of a surgical strike kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I think more still. In terms of the fact that you can't really notch them up as much as you could. Yeah, the shooting versions. Yeah, right. I, I think they're, they seem to be kind of the same. You're going to be taking a lot of life take. If I compared the Shadow Stalkers to the, li- to the heart renders... I don't know that there's much of a... Sure. I think that's fair. Okay. that's And that's really, I think, back where my comparison would be. Um, and thank you for that, for the life takers, because oh, I wasn't aware that they could just get nuts Oh, the like life takers are bananas. Yeah, that's the, amazing. Like, the ceiling maximum on them, I think, is like 240 damage when you take them to the limit. That is crazed. So that's awesome. Very yeah. Cool. So next up, we've got Doomfire Doom Warlocks. Warlocks in. I'm not going to talk about these a whole lot because there are people who argue that they have a place for the points and for what they are. By the way, let me just say the models. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Trying to build these models is almost impossible. It, it just let, let's go to the hobby side. But anyway, so 14 inch move. So they're really fast. Two wounds, five up save, six bravery. They have their crossbows, which are 12 inch range. Two attacks, four by threes, no ren, one damage. Their cursed scimitar is one inch, two attacks, four by threes, minus one, one damage. And then the vicious bite of the little ponies is two attacks, four by three, four by fours, and no ren, one damage. They add one to casting and unbinding rolls if they're five or more models. Great, because they do have spell, which is really important, and it's doomfire. So it's a casting value of six if they're five or more. It's casting value of five. Very reliable. You pick an enemy unit within 12. If the casting unit has fewer than five models, which I don't ever see you taking fewer than five, but if you've lost people... Oh, if you've taken damage, If you've yeah. taken damage, right. Is D3 mortals. If you have between five and nine, D6. If you have 10 or more models, suffer six mortal wounds. Is there a place for these guys? I suppose there could be. It's interesting. I just don't know for the points and warlocks. I'm just looking here. It's five for 120. Wouldn't you rather have a unit of Shadow Stalkers? I would for 120 points. And really, I think to get the most out of these guys for more than one turn, you're going to want to take 10. Yeah. Because you want to get that one turn where you can get six. Yeah. You're going to want to take one turn to get those six mortals. Knock somebody out. And then if you lose a few, you're still getting D6 mortals. That's 240 points, Brendan. Yeah. And as an opponent, if I see that, because the range... is only 12 inches. Right. So you have to, to move up. Your opponent also has to move up. Yeah. And then you have to get the casting drop on him. And if I'm a smart opponent, I'm just going to dump two wounds into that unit. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. Like, if okay, cool. You roll a six. Fine. Yep. You know, you, you did your casting roll. I did my unbinding roll. You still roll a six. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Well, you still got the book over there. You want to talk about the avatar? I do. Because I've always thought about this crazy list with avatars. I think a lot of people have. Yeah, like have a shrine or have a cauldron and have like seven or eight avatars around this thing. I think it would just be awesome. 
Would it be competitive? No, but it would look so cool. Aren't they behemoths though? Darn it! You broke. You crushed I, my dream. Typical. Oh yeah. Classic they are behemoth. Yeah. Classic me. So you can so only I have, can have four. four of them. But that's still thirty-six wounds, and they would have a three-up save if they're within eighteen inches of your cauldron. Sure. They, you would also need four priests to animate them. <laughs> it's right. Because <laughs> you have to animate them, or they're just going to sit there. So they're nine-inch moves. So they're pretty fast. They have nine wounds, four-up save, ten bravery uh, so they're not gonna run i mean they're individual units 10 inch range for their torn of blood six six attacks three by threes minus one one damage the sword is the thing we talked about already on the cauldrons yep. which is three damage we're not going to talk about the profile add one to prayer rolls so if you've got some people you want to animate them they get plus one to their prayer rolls good you only <laughs> need to do it on twos you still gotta have four priests yeah that's it you add one to prayer rolls if they're priests within nine inches. Add one to bravery for Daughters of Cain units within 12, wholly within 12. And, of course, you have to animate them. So, yep. interesting, fun thoughts. They are what they are. <laughs> Their function really is on the cauldrons. That's where they belong, and that's where they you get the most for your money if, from these If guys. you found just a bunch of points spare and your yeah. choices between a cauldron and shadow stalkers and heart renders... Man, take the other stuff. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Don't go for the avatars. They look cool. They're awesome. If you but, want to run avatars, cool. And by the way, if you play Eldar or Eldari in 40K, these would be great avatar of Kane models. Yeah. They would be great. Because they're the, technically the same. Yep. Technically the same thing. Technically the same. So why don't you talk to us about the ground pounder melee... Combat snakes. Snakes, and then I'll talk about the shooty ones. Yeah, so combat snakes, where if any of you were listening to the show that long ago, remember we talked about snakes and we were like, oh man, they're just so expensive. Because they were 160 points mm-hmm. for five when they came out. They're 130 points for five right now, which is pretty good. Yeah. And they've also gotten better hooray good yay for us they're movement eight five up save bravery eight two wounds they have the heart shard glaive two inch range so that means that these guys are on 40s you can fight in two ranks which Mm -hmm. is excellent Mm -hmm. three attacks threes by threes rend one damage one so if you're able to chuck mind razor on them they're rend two damage two off the charge pretty okay Mm -hmm. the champion gets plus one to the attacks characteristic and they have turned to crystal, which is at the end of the combat phase, you pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit, roll one dice for each model in this unit, the unit of snakes, mm-hmm. and for each three up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Basically the evocator rule. Right, and that's for each model. Each model in your unit, yeah. not in theirs. Still, that's a three up, pretty good. Yeah, if you're running a unit of ten, that's ten dice, you know, you're going to get six, six or seven, seven. Yeah. and great. that's another couple of mortal wounds that you can just... You know, if you tagged a hero on the end with one of your characters and you dumped all your attacks into the big scary unit, killed him most of the way, then you can go, cool, 10 dice come in the other direction. It's at the end of the combat phase, so hopefully that other character wasn't too scary or this is the last thing to fight. You're going to dump a mortal, bunch of mortal wounds that way, and you can pull off a hero too. The snakes are, I don't want to say the new way to play, but they have been given new life with the points adjustments, the rules changes... Marathi, the Iron Scales, mm-hmm. where where yeah. you can get a bunch of extra attacks, you can give them extra damage, you can give them extra rend. They take buffs really well nowadays. Mm-hmm. 
they help form the backbone of a new way to write your army lists. Sure. Whereas before you looked at them and you were just like, they're really cool, but God, wouldn't I just rather have 90 witch elves? <laughs> and the answer was always, yeah, yes, obviously. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's really nice to see that even though it took a while, that the other units that are in these different books have kind of started to find their home. Mm -hmm. And then, Dan, the Bloodseekers, which you are going to talk about. Yeah, Bloodstalkers, yeah, I like yeah, them. I like them. They, they got the big change that they needed. Which is? The shooting attack yep. is no longer one per model. Yeah, which, which was, was insane. Why would you even look at them? There's no reason. They were worse than like a unit tax yes. for some of these horrible. battalions. Yes. So they are the same profile in terms of movement, saves, wounds. Mm -hmm. They just have a bow. Yep, they have a bow. 24-inch range is very respectable. In this Especially game. when you add the 8-inch move to it. Yes. Your effective threat range 32 is 32. inches. Very nice. They have two attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. Great. So the melee weapons, you have... Cinelar, something like that. It's two attacks, three by fours, no rend, one damage. The blood worm is like on the arm. There's mm -hmm. there, at least the old models were. You have one attack, one inch, three by threes, no rend, one damage. So you could kick those up to one rend and two damage. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it's some extra attacks, but you're not going to be you're, close enough to do that because you're going to be using the bows. Like, yeah. What's you, the point? You don't of that? want them. No, no, no. But the nice part here is if the unmodified hit roll. For an attack is six, it inflicts a mortal wound, and the attack sequence ends. Okay, fair enough. Still really nice. Yeah. Man, that's a unit of 10. That's 20 attacks. Very respectable. Very reliable. And you're going to get three or four mortals out of that when you're rolling. Yeah. You know, so they definitely are something to consider in terms of... And they're 140 points, now. so... Yeah, not bad. Not bad for five of them. That's 10 attacks. 10 good ranged attacks. Yes, very good ranged attacks. So then next up we have the Endless Spells and the Endless Prayer. Which one do you want to, you have a preference? If you I like would to like talk to one? talk about the Viper and the Heart. So if okay. you want to take the Blade. I'll take the Blade and, and then, then pass it over. Sure. Sure, because we're only operating off of one book because <laughs> Games Workshop <laughs> has delivery issues. delays yeah. in America. There are things called logistics. Yeah, so. and snow. <laughs> so we've got the Blade Wind. Which is not a bale wind, okay? Don't make this mistake. Very so different. It is a single model. It's predatory, and it flies. It can move twelve inches. That's a pretty respectable movement range. Casting value of six. Daughters of Cain wizards can attempt to cast this, and you set it up wholly within nine inches of the caster, and then it can move twelve in addition to that. That's twenty-one inch range. Pretty decent. When this model is set up, the player who set it up can immediately move it. After the model is moved, each unit that has any models it passed across or within a one inch of it at the end of its move suffers D3 mortals. In addition, do not apply cover modifiers. Okay. D3 mortals to everybody it comes close to. It's, not bad. It's respectable. We, it's very similar to a lot of other endless spells. And especially with a movement range of 21, mm -hmm. that's really nice. And it removes cover, which is, you know... Once in a while, that's applicable. Sure. Not always, but once in a while. And that thing comes in at only 40 points. Yeah, not bad. So it's, talk to us about the heart and the Viper. Yeah, so if you can't buy a command point, the Blade Wind's not a bad choice. buy. It's got a place. 40 points feels about right for, for it versus uh, other stuff. The Viper, I think, is bonkers. Yeah. It's on a 100 mil base. 
also costs huge. 40 points. It's huge, which is insane. Yeah. I think it's very undercosted. I agree. <laughs> Predatory Endless Spell can move up to 9 inches and fly. Casting value of a 7. Can only be cast by Daughters of Cain Wizards. You set it up wholly within 9 inches of the caster, and then whoever sets it up can immediately make a move with it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, you know, roughly 18 inches away from you. Okay. When uh, it's all said and done. But after this model is moved, the player who moved this endless spell may pick one unit within one inch of it and roll three dice. Mm-hmm. For each roll that is equal to or greater the wounds characteristic, one model from that unit is slain. Dan, you can basically 50-50 shot kill a six-wound hero with this mm-hmm. guy. For 40 points, just running around, you know, just do, 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 do. This is best against multi-wound models. Obviously. This is, you know, this is not a horde buster of any variety. No. This is a hero sniper. This is anti-ogre technology. This is anti-cav. Most six-wound heroes are not faster than movement nine. Mm-hmm. You can just go chase it again. Sure. And go get it. Like, I'm, lo- I'm thinking about your Varengard. Sure. Oh, hell yeah. Would I take a chance of rolling three dice and killing a Varengard? A couple. Oh, hello. Because I'm not going to kill him any other way. Sure. This is great. Like, we'll neglect the shield that ignores endless spells. But yes. but if you rolled three... And that's not auto on them, though, is it? If, or is it? if you rolled three fives, yeah. then three Varengard would die, assuming I didn't roll a five up to ignore the, the effect of an endless spell. Right, okay, but, yeah. You know, let's say you're playing against... Because uh, there are five wounds. Playing okay, your, yeah. You're playing your Mornfang. Yeah, sure. And I roll this guy past, and I roll three sixes. There's three dead. Three Mornfang die. It's, it's Now, dead. granted, I get that that's an extreme, but... Nonetheless. It happens. Sure it does. You're going to do it the one time, and you and your buddies are always going to talk about that time that you just wiped out just Dan's unit of Mornfang, which is the Viper that just rolled past sure. and, and ate. Or if I killed one Varengard, I'd just be jumping up and down for 40 points. I did that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically you killed a 100-point model with a 40 point model yeah and it's not gone it's still there points exchange until you get rid of it it's still there running around so that's pretty bonkers the viper is kind of nuts sure between that and the blade wind you have some really nice spells to pick from and then so the next thing you have is the heart of fury which is a endless prayer which up until just you know this book only corn had endless prayers Mm mm-hmm so the way that this works is a Heart of Fury is not set up on the battlefield at the start of the game. Instead of Daughter of Cain Priest from your army can summon it to the battlefield by making an invocation roll. Unless noted otherwise, a Heart of Fury cannot be attacked or affected by spells or abilities. It is treated as a friendly model by all armies for any other rules purposes. Cool. And it costs 80 points. Sure. So damn. This prayer to summon it in your hero phase, one friendly Daughter of Cain Priest can attempt to summon this by making an invocation roll and rolling a dice. On a 3-up, it is successful, and it is set up wholly within 12 inches of that Daughters of Cain Priest. Sure. All right. We got the range. Neat. It looks like it's on about a 50. Locus of the Murder God. Subtract 1 from the damage inflicted to a minimum of 1 by each successful attack that targets a Daughter of Cain unit wholly within 12 inches of this model. That is really stupid good. Oh, yeah. Because how many units pay... You know, in their point, some way, shape, or form, to be damaged to. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah, nah, that's all right. Like, yeah, nah, yeah. Here we are, just casually, you know, reducing the damage. Combining that with your four-up save, you know, with bucklers and blade shields, 
you've created a suddenly very durable uh, blender type of unit. Now, it doesn't stay on the field all the time. At the end of each battle round, if this model is on the battlefield, the player who set up the model must roll a dice. Add one to the roll if there are any avatars of Kane within six inches of this model. And on a one to three, this model is removed from the battlefield. Yeah. But you can just attempt to summon it next turn. But you got it off. For that turn that you got it off, it's well worth. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Especially if you know the fight is coming to you in a very specific location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are our War Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Next up, we're going to jump over to... Battalions. Battalions. Yeah, yeah. And... What we have is, it's a combination of old battalions and battalions that we saw in Broken Realms Marathi, mm-hmm. where, you know, you have a couple of different choices. Uh, there are some battalions that did leave, so, yes. you know, be wary of that. But the first one up, Dan, is the Cauldron Guard. Yeah. So um, it's Head Queen? Mm-hmm. Key- keyworded, which is why yes. my Morgweth question. Yes, because you, you can put a Cauldron in there. Yep. Yep. Well, it, you can cauldron, maybe Morgoth, maybe you the could. foot one. You yeah. know, the foot one for Any sure. Any of those. We'll see how that works with Morgoth because two units of Morgoth witch- is dumb, and we need to like <laughs> we need her fact. Yeah. So two units of witch elves, and two units of life takers, which mm-hmm. we talked about, could be really brutal. So you add one to charge and run rolls. Yep. Yeah. There you go. It's good. It's yeah. That's a good battalion to get your drops down. It's units that you're going to be taking uh, in a lot of cases. And, you know, that's a decent rule. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what you want to see from these kinds of things. Yep. Next up, we have the Slaughter Troop, which sure. is one keyworded Slaughter Queen. So yep. on foot or on cauldron. Two units of Sisters, sisters of slaughter. slaughter. Two Whip Girls. Yep. And, and then two... Heart uh, Renders. Spear Canaries. Yep. Yeah. Units from this battalion can retreat and still shoot and or charge in the same turn. Eh. I don't know that I would spend the 100 and plus points for that. No, I, I, I really don't think you would because Sisters of Slaughter have the six-inch pylon. Mm-hmm. I don't really think you want the Slaughter Queen in the mix too much. No. If she is, you do want the retreat and charge, but... I would know. put her somewhere else with another unit. I would put her with a unit of Life Tapers or unit elves, Witch Elves or something else. Sure. If I was going to do that. The next one, Shadow Patrol. Now, I think because of the changes that you talked about to Life Takers, this might be worth taking finally. Because before, it just wasn't. First of all, there's attacks of two, two units of Doomfire Warlocks. Mm-hmm. So that's 300 points right there, or so, 300 or so points. But you could take four units of Harpies, Canary Harpies, which could be either Heartrenders or Life Takers. So you could take four units of Life Takers if you're going to go that route. What it does is in your movement phase, instead of making a normal move with a unit from this battalion, you can say it'll navigate the shadow paths, you can remove it, teleport it, put it more than nine inches away. One unit per turn, okay. That's another teleport. You combine that with some Shadow Stalkers. You're going to be running all over the board, making your opponent go, what, which, what, whoa, who? That would be kind of fun, just <laughs> from a mechanical standpoint. I don't know that this is still worth the points, though. I really don't yeah. think, especially because i got to take Doomfires, and I'm just not going to take them. You're talking about 240 points worth of Doomfires. Yeah. Plus the cost of the battalion. And it's four units of Harpies. Yeah. That's a lot. I don't think you're going to take that many. If you're feeling nuts, you might have four purchases of harpies, like Mm -hmm. some total, a unit of 10 and two units of five. I could Mm -hmm. see you doing that, but to have four units? That's a lot. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, The the Scathe Coven, which is one keyword bloodwreck Medusa, so on foot or on cauldron. Or an iron scale. Or an iron scale, which is... Not keyworded, but there's only one way to take it. One to four units of Blood Sisters, one to two units of Blood Stalkers, 
zero to two units of any Canari keyworded. Do not take battle shock tests for units from this battalion. It's pretty good. Yeah, I that like is that. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Because this is the way that you're gonna pack in your snakes. This is the way that you're gonna get. You know, because you can. You only have to take one unit of harpies in this instance to be that sized unit that you want to go out and do damage with. And really, your tax here is the Medusa, the Iron Scale, which okay, okay. yeah, fine. Yeah, if you're gonna go snakes, this is I think a battalion that would be worth. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Next up we have is the Viperic Guard, Dan, which is hero-centric primarily. Yes, it is. You got a Marathi Shadow Queen. Yep. That's your first thing. One to two Blood Rack Medusas or Iron Scales in any combination. Two to three units of Blood Sisters and Blood Stalkers in any combination. And the benefit is a hero from this battalion can use a command ability without a command point being spent. As command point heavy as this army can get... I think that's worthwhile. I agree. I think this battalion has value for two reasons. You know, one, it reduces your drop. And two, it effectively gives you two command points instead of one. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you get the one for purchasing it, but then you get one that you can use for free. Right. Once per battle. Right. And it's probably going to be, you know, the Marathi Kane one that is the one that you're going to use. Uh, the Malusai Iron Scale one is quite good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brent, I think, too, again, all these depend on... Not all of them. Most of them depend on your army build. If you're going to take Marathi Kane, then you're probably going to take this mm -hmm. because you're probably going to take some snakes as well. If you're taking snakes, this is another one that you should take. Yeah. I'll have to sit down and think about the points, but combining this and a cauldron guard together, mm -hmm. I think would be a very good list. Mm -hmm. You know, see, because you'd be down to about a two drop. You have just about everything you want. You would be making some sacrifices in terms of specific choices, mm -hmm. but you have the snakes you want. You could get a cauldron in there. You'd get Marathi in there. Yeah, you'd have witch elves. You'd have life takers. I think building around those two battalions in the same list would be uh, quite an effective choice. The one choice. thing that's going to be tough, though, is because just between Marathi and the cauldron, about 850 points, something like that. That's a lot of points, but that still gives you 1,200 points to pull in the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And witches are relatively cheap. Life takers are relatively cheap. And snakes so, are relatively cheap yeah, nowadays. Nowadays, you, yeah. You can get a lot of stuff into this You might army. be able to do that, yeah. Yeah. So what about that last one, the Shrine Brood? What do so you think the Shrine that? Brood is two Blood Rack Shrines, two units of Blood Sisters or Blood Stalkers in any combination, and two units of any kind of Harpies, keyword. <clears throat> Life takers, okay. Yeah, so the rule <laughs> Blood Sacrifice... <laughs> In your hero phase, you pick any number of units from this battalion that are within six inches of the Bloodrack Shrine from the same battalion. One model from each unit you picked is slain. Oof. You can heal one wound allocated to the Bloodrack Shrine for each Canary Harpy model that was slain, and you can heal up to two wounds allocated to the Bloodrack Shrine for each Malusai, so stalkers now, or uh, Now, when I look sisters. at this, you've got two shrines, which really the shrines can be very combat-centric. Mm -hmm. If you play them the right way. That's what this is to me. Is if you're going to play them that way, you would take this battalion. Because then you can keep healing your shrines. You get It's going to cost you bodies. But you can keep those shrines alive a lot longer than you could keep them alive otherwise. I don't know that the shrines are super worth that though. Yeah. They're only 13 wounds on a 5-up save. Yeah. They're 160 points. Relatively cheap. I think your snakes are going to do more damage than that. Most days, I think that's the. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately that's where that's going to lie. Well, and if you can take harpies, your life takers are going to do more damage mm -hmm. for less money. Sure. 
Yeah. And, you know, of course, we have our Mega Battalion, but, you know. No, we don't talk about Mega Battalions. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to finish up then. I think that's all the battalions mm-hmm. with our six, a uh, couple of new, sort one no, sort of new. Yeah, four, four old, one medium, one new. Okay. Hagnar. Mm-hmm. All right. Because I definitely want to talk about Kaelbron. Yeah. So, so Hagnar has the most significant changes throughout to it than what you were used to. Mm-hmm. So the main allegiance ability here for it is you add one to the number of current battle rounds when determining the abilities gained by friendly Hagnar units from the blood rights battle traits. This ability and other similar abilities are cumulative. So you effectively start out on turn two. Mm-hmm. So on your first turn, you can re-roll run rolls of one and charge rolls of one. Cool. This is a big difference because you used to re-roll all hits. Which was dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I quite like this. I think this is a fair, reasonable, and balanced change. Agreed. Rather than trying to you know, find your quickest path to turn three. The command ability that you get is send forth the cauldrons, mm-hmm. which is a—it's kind of cool. You're not going to use this command ability a lot, but if you really need to get a cauldron in place... You use this command ability at the start of your movement phase. If you do so, pick one friendly Hagnar Cauldron of Blood unit within three inches of any friendly Hagnar units that have three or more models and wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Hagnar hero. But it can be within 12 inches of itself. Correct, yes. Add three inches of the move characteristic of that Cauldron of Blood until your next hero phase. The same unit cannot benefit from this command ability more than once per turn. My reaction to this is there are a lot of other places to spend a command point in this army that That are much more worthwhile. (laughs) The situation that I'm trying to imagine in my head where you want the the extra three inches of move but also need to charge or shoot for some reason (laughs) pretty limited yeah for sure pretty limited so this is not why you take this no you take it for the ability and the command trait yes so if you if you're hagnar your general must have the command trait devoted disciple and there is a Mm -hmm. a fundamental change it's very similar it's gonna feel similar but there's a fundamental change here yep the fanatical faith battle trait negates a wound allocated to a friendly Hagnar Daughters of Cain model on a 5-up instead of a 6, while it is wholly within 12 inches of this general. Model. Model. Wholly within. So you could have a unit of 30 witches, and if you're within the 12 inches of 15 of them, you can still get it for those guys, but the rest of them still only get their 6-up. That is huge that it's based on a model instead of a unit. This makes it much more manageable. Whereas before, everybody was a five-up re-rolling, it felt like. And it was nuts, yeah. It was, yes. Yes. So the artifact of power is fine. Full yeah. Fury, yeah, you pick one of the bearer's melee weapons, add one of the damage characters to the weapon if the bearer made a charge move in the same turn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I, you know, it's whatever. But the two things you have to be concerned with are the allegiance ability and the command trait. Sure. The rest of it. Is what it is. Yeah. I think this will... Don't you think this will still be very much in the Very, very popular. There's a couple others we're going to talk about here in a little bit that I think are also going to find a competitive sure. home. So the next one is uh, Dretchy Ganeth. Mm-hmm. So you improve the rank characteristic of melee weapons used by friendly witch elves or sisters of slaughter by one if it made a charge move. Okay. Yep. Cool. Command ability. If you use this, 
You pick one friendly witch elves or sisters unit within 12 inches, wholly within, of a hero. Add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons until the end of the phase. Not bad. Yeah, so it's a two-up now, all of a sudden. Yeah. The, with a bazillion attacks. Which is, so this is like what I was talking about with the super mega Death Star witch elf unit. Yes. Where you only give them daggers and you charge them in headlong with, you know, Mind Razor on top of it. And you give them this ability and something like that. Yeah. So another Ren 1, there are uh, hitting on twos. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it'd be twos by threes in that uh, scenario. Yeah. You know, potentially rend to, potentially damage to. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, okay. For 30 models, yeah, I'll yeah, take that. That sounds fine. <laughs> Just, you know, casual 91 attacks. Uh, yeah. The command trait is okay. You add bra- one to the bravery. If they're wholly within 12 inches of the general, okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's all right. And then the last one is pick one of the bearer's melee weapons, add two to the attack characteristics of that weapon. All right, depending on who you pick, it could be significant. Sure. Yeah. All right. Crave. On the front end, for people who don't know, I will say this in jest. The only person I know to have played Kraith is Mm. Chuck Moore at Strength Hammer on Twitter. He is a known love of the Kraith sub-faction. That's fun. And he is a playtester. And I have been ribbing him that, oh, of course, Kraith got a a slightly better rule here, you know, like, it's not a significant change. It's fine. To him, it's but, significant. Well, right. To him, it's significant because he loves it. And it makes it more competitive. It's something that you'd take a look at more seriously. Sure. But, you know, the joke that, you know, playtesters, you know, get special love for their armies and everything. You know, go, man, Chuck, like, you didn't even try. Like, this, <laughs> like you didn't even try to hide this. Uh, so their ability is at the end of the combat phase, you can roll a dice for each friendly Sisters of Slaughter unit that fought in once in that combat phase. Okay. On a five up, that unit can fight for a second time. All right. It's only Sisters of Slaughter. It's only on a five up. It's only on a five up. It's only if you fought once. If there's some other way for you to fight a second time, you know, you're not going to be able to use this ability. Okay. It's limited, but... There is something there. So the command ability, inspired by Carnage, is you pick one friendly Kraith Sisters of Slaughter unit wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Kraith hero, add one to wound rolls for attacks made by that unit in that phase. Which isn't too bad, because they're on threes and fours Mm -hmm. uh, under normal circumstances. Threes by threes, yeah. And again, it's only Sisters of Slaughter, so the, the scope of this is limited, but, you know, if you can figure out if you're somebody like your friend, then this mm-hmm. is perfect for you. Exactly. <laughs> At the end of the combat phase, if this general is on the battlefield and any enemy units were destroyed by attacks made by friendly Kraith units in that phase, you receive one command point. I'll take that. Right. So, But that's at the end of any combat phase. So you can find means of generating extra command points to give yourself plus one to wound and, and fights again. Or you could go after little screening units and stuff like that. The command point is uh-huh. yours and it's yours for the rest of the game. Yes, yeah. sir. You know, it's got this like interesting combination wheel that kind Mm -hmm. of builds on itself and if everything goes right you know like it looks cool whereas before you know you kind of took Kraith because on a six up you could just fight again so really I had said that Drachy Ganeth is is the sister this is really the sisters one this is the one that focuses on they both are but this is like extra sister because your only ability because your abilities only affect sisters of slaughter correct gotcha so your artifact of power the venom of naganendra you pick one of the bearer's melee weapons 
Once for battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say that the bearer will anoint the weapon with the venom. If you do so, pick one enemy unit within one inch of the bearer. That unit suffers D6 mortal wounds, but the bearer cannot fight with the melee weapon in the combat phase. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Kaelbron. Yay. One I used to play all the time. There's one big change okay. in Kaelbron, and you and I talked about it, Dan. Yeah. So the first thing is to track one from hit rolls made with missile weapons. That's always been a rule. Mm-hmm. It's great. The second one is you can use this command ability at the end of your movement phase. If you do so, pick one friendly unit, wholly within 12 inches of a hero. That is a general. Remove that unit, set it up again within nine or just outside of nine inches. That's not changed either. No. Keep reading. Yeah, I know. I'm just yeah. saying. That unit cannot move until the next movement phase. In the next movement phase. Yeah. That's... That unit cannot move, move in okay. the next movement okay, phase. Okay, there you go. So that's still a big deal. Yes. Okay. You can get your charge off. But wherever your charge is, if you manage to land it, that's where you're stuck. Right. You cannot move in the next movement phase. It doesn't say your next movement phase, though. It says the next movement phase. Yeah. So maybe they need to clarify that. Right. Which the expected implication is that you would not be allowed to move in your next combat phase. But if you just can't move, if your opponent turns comes up next. It's a movement phase. It is the movement phase. That's where you can't move, but after that, you can. If I were to have to rule this without the FAQ in a tournament right now, I would say it's in your next movement phase. That is the way I would rule it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, that definitely is an FAQ It it is. I would bet dollars of donuts that that is getting (laughs) FAQ'd. Yes. So the command trait... So that's the big change, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. All right, just to clarify. The Mistress of Illusions, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons to target this general. Nice. And that was always nice when I had my cauldron that was being targeted, because mm-hmm. that was my general usually. Artifacts of power, pick one of the bearer's melee weapons if the unmodified hit roll for a six is a six. Uh, inflicts one mortal wound in addition to normal. Okay. If I'm going to give that to my general, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think of all of them, Caleb Brown took the hardest hit. That command ability is not yeah. great. Not with that restriction. Yeah. No, that really does. Although, you know, when I thought about this, and we had talked about it, especially with the Shadow Stalkers now, there are other ways to move around the board that are okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but then the question is, I mean, that's the reason I always took Kalebron. If I don't have... It, it was it, a free teleport. Yeah. You know, the... So my question is, would I still take Kalebron? Probably not with that anymore. That yeah. Kind of takes it out of the, the mix. So Keltnar. Keltnar, yeah. Secret Filth. I love... Oh, this is nuts. I love Keltnar. I think this is a fantastic oh. temple to be taking. And is if you are looking to play competitively, is one that I think you 100% should be considering. Mm-hmm. So the ability Strike and Fade. Friendly Keltnar units can retreat and still charge later in the same turn. That's the whole army. The whole army, correct. Brendan, how many bonuses do daughters get when they charge? A zillion. A zillion. So now, <laughs> unless you surround an entire unit of daughters, why would you not do this if you're a daughters player? Uh, Hagnar is still very good. Yeah. But I mean, why would you not retreat in charge? I mean, it's just like... Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's this, so powerful. This allows you to always be at your maximum. Wow. Yes. The command ability is okay. Yeah. Uh, bleed and fade. Uh, sorry, bleed the mind. I'm reading two yeah, different it's, rules it's at the same time. Yeah, it's pretty decent. 
you can use this command ability at the start of the combat phase. If you do so, pick one friendly Keltnar unit wholly within 12 inches of friendly Keltnar hero. Until your next hero phase, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon that targets a Keltnar unit is a 1, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound after all of its attacks have been resolved. It's a bounce back. Yep. That's what it is, yeah. Yep, so you'd be bouncing back 1s when they go to hit you. Sixes when you go to save if you've got the shields, mm-hmm. and then when you go to die if you have a martyr sacrifice. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's an option. The command trait is excellent. Mm-hmm. Once per battle at the end of your movement phase, you can say that this general will summon a flock of canari to the battlefield. If you do so, you can add one unit of canari harpies, keyworded, of five models to your army. Set up that unit anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches from any enemy units. You can use this to circumvent the descend into battle yep. rule. We talked about that. Where you can yeah. set them up in turn four or turn five if you want. That is crazy. Yeah. So that's a very valuable. It's pretty good. It is keyworded harpies, so it could be either one. It's it's gonna be it's gonna, it's gonna, be, gonna the, be the good one. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, yeah. Now you would bring both sets with you in the event that the shooting variety was the one that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Sure. So like if you really needed that Ren two shooting attack. Yeah. The Artifact is fine. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons. If the unmodified hit roll uh, for an attack made with the weapon is a six, it scores two hits on the target instead of one. Make a wound and save roll for each hit. Okay. Fine. Right. The retreat and charge ability is genuinely excellent. Yeah. So good. Yep. And so then the last one that we have here is You know what makes me sick? Is I have one unit in my army that can do that, and I feel really special. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, you people pay battalion prices to to get that ability. Oh yeah, you know, you look yeah. at that unit on a war scroll and you go, hmm, "Yes, please, all right." Yeah. yeah. The to take it as a sub faction and say, hey, "Yeah, your, your whole army gets it." Man, Dan, that that's is brutal. Yeah, that's really good. You have a battalion that lets you do that. That kind, you know, that is kind of a limited scope. You know, in the slaughter troop, mm-hmm. but to just get it full on outright. Yeah. <sighs> That's crazy good. It's, yeah, it's, crazy that's pretty good. good. And I think you are going to see tournament versions of Keltnar that are successful, that, that leverage the uh, always be charging principles. Sure. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then, Dan, Zainthar-Kai. Yeah, this is the snake one. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, the first, the ability is you add one to bravery characteristics for uh, Malusai. Malusai and Harpies, yep. too. Okay, that's... Okay. You can choose one hero to have an artifact. That's very nice. One additional hero. One additional yep. hero, yeah. That. So you get two artifacts no matter yeah. what. The command ability, you can use this once per phase when you pick a Malusai or a Harpy's unit. To fight in that unit is wholly within 12 inches of a friendly hero. If you do so, add one to attack characteristics of the melee weapons. This is to your point with the uh, life takers. Mm-hmm. You could really use that for them. Or the, the pokey... Uh, snakes as well sure for sure very nice that that's pretty good i mean in addition to all the other things they can get in terms of adding attacks and doing other things that's very nice that makes them to your point earlier that makes snakes much more effective yeah and and something you'd want to take you know much more likely to be taken now Mm-hmm. So the Curse of the Bloody Handed is the command trait. At the end of the combat phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of this general and a five-up D3 mortals. Okay, fair enough. Fine. And then the last one, the artifacts, subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with the melee weapons that target this bearer. Okay. And specifically, it's a Malusai hero. Mm-hmm. So 
if for some reason you do not want to use this artifact, you just don't have to give a Malusai any artifact, and you can give any other artifact to any other hero. But if you are going to give a, any Malusai hero an artifact, the first one must take the Crimson Talisman. Right. That's the book. We, for the most part, discussed you know points at length as we've gone through it. What are your thoughts, Dan? Any any major takeaways? I like the changes. I think the biggest change is the Holy Within, because again, you're going to have to manage bubbles now, and that's something you didn't really have to do before as a daughter's player. So I think that's a major way that changes. I mean, you're going to need to get, if you're not used to managing bubbles, and I think a lot of people who played daughters before weren't used to doing that, mm-hmm. and the only way to get good at that is to practice Yes, and do more and more and more. So I think that's what's going to have to happen. The other thing is I liked the way that they made less than useful units useful now, and they really made this book a book of choices, and they made this book one where every unit or almost every unit has value now of sure. some kind, yes. and they didn't before. With one exception, I think. But otherwise, (laughs) you have so many choices, and anything that you take will really be a good choice if you play it the right way. So that's my takeaways. I'm really happy for daughters players. What about you, Brendan? I think kind of expanding on what you have, where they've made more things more useful, means that from a competitive standpoint, Mm -hmm. you are going to see new difference and a larger variety which is of, wonderful of for Daughters of Cain's armies that are going to be successful. Like reading it, I don't see anything that really truly felt out of bounds. There are times where we go through battle tomes, Dan, and you know I'll sit there and tell you this is dumb. Like, this is <laughs> this is so busted. Like yeah, this is sure. the thing people are going to be taking and leveraging this and taking it to the nines, and, and this is how the list works. Sure, like without even having written the whole thing out. I have seen so many different. Daughters of Cain list I look at and I go, I think that would do quite well. I I think that answers a lot of questions. It has some natural enemies out there in the wild. I think that as a metric, I think this version of the Daughters of Cain book would be a good one to recommend to folks who are starting out in tournament play, but have some familiarity with Age of Sigmar. Sure. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily say it's your your day one army, your, you know... (laughs) Uh, baby's first tournament army. I don't. Sure. I don't think that that's necessarily the case because the application of a glass hammer, which is what the army really feels like, mm-hmm. that is a, a tougher thing to learn of when to commit the right thing where. I can in my mind see, you know, just a lot of different paths that mm-hmm. you can take. Yeah, I love the fact that Hagnar is no longer the auto take. Mm-hmm. I it, really like that. It's very good. Oh yeah, but there are a lot of other choices. There are other choices, not a lot that can be in the right hands equally competitive. Yeah, I think you're going to end up with a couple of decision matrices of Marathi or non-Marathi lists. Mm-hmm. There's, I think, three of the temples that are really, really quite good. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you know, you're going to be picking between those three rather than just Hagnar or only very recently Calebron, which was then... Mm-hmm adjusted to be what it is currently yeah and then you know the other decision you're going to make is kind of you know one of these threefold paths of which is you know the elf version the snake version or kind of a mixed arms force and mm-hmm. you know between those three different layers right you know you're talking about ending up with like 18 different kinds of armies right Okay, that is a heck of a lot better than like the two that we used to see for almost the le- almost the entirety of the last three years. Sure. 
So makes sense. This is good. I think this book is one of those books that you should look at and feel like Games Workshop, you know, really learned from uh, what occurred in the last book, the way the game state is and say, okay, sometimes you don't hit things quite right the first go around, but when you get a second pass at it, I I think this is quite a good book, which is, you know, we're going to do a little bit of sneaking behind the curtain here. (laughs) Not how I feel about the Slanesh book. (laughs) Okay. So Daughters of Cain players, you should be real excited for this one. I think so, yeah. Folks who are used to playing against Daughters of Cain, a lot of your gripes have been adjusted to be Mm -hmm. more manageable, and they're going to be more in line with the things that you are probably having to do. So, you know, some of those things are going to be gone. Not all of them. They're just different. But yeah, this is a good one. This is a nice positive feeling I have, yeah. you know, coming away from it. Great. Okay, Brendan, thanks yeah. for going over this. And hopefully, listeners, this was useful for you. We'll be right back. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, we're back with Scriptorium. And what we're going to do today is we're going to skip right to reads, watches, and listens for you and I, Brendan. Yes. Uh, just in uh, the interest of moving along. So how about you? Mine is relatively short. I've got about three hours left on American Prometheus. Almost yeah, done. There's been a lot of shoveling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have run out of places to put the snow, and the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer has accompanied every single moment <laughs> of that snow shoveling. I'm going to listen to Barry Dagger next. Uh, you and Troy convinced me yes. that that was one worth listening to. So that's uh, hopefully I'll have started that by the time. Well, maybe great. not. Hopefully there hasn't been that much snow. Uh, <laughs> that's great. On the next go around. It's a good choice. In terms of watching, I really haven't there's not been any series that have really jumped out at me that I've been that I've been digging into. Sports is over, so it's just been a lot of mm-hmm. uh, video games and podcasts of different varieties. You know, I'm listening to the Emperor's series of Totalis Rankium and mm-hmm. you know, my sports radio shows and all that. But yeah, we're almost done with that, but Dan, what have you been paying attention to here? Okay, well, I picked up The Duke of Caledon, the next book by Brian Herbert's son, and it's excellent. It was about Duke Leto, and it was a story about him and about Caledon and kind of prior to the Dune stuff. Very, very good. I finished reading a graphic novel version of Dune that I did not know existed. Oh, wow. And it's actually interesting because the movie that is supposed to come out relatively soon is going to be a multi-part movie. It's not going to be just one movie of Dune. I think it's going to be at least two, maybe three parts. They've talked about it. But this is the same thing. But I think if you have not read Dune, but you don't want to dive in and dig into the book, and I thought this was an excellent version of pretty much the first half of the story. Basically, when Paul and Jessica find the Fremen, we're just at that point in the story. So I would really recommend this book if you're interested in Dune without reading the book. Then I've started reading Gates of Bone, which is the next Dawn of Fire book, the second one in the series. Okay, It's so far so good. There's a custodian who's kind of a main character. There's a lot of Sisters of Battle action, looks like, and it'll be interesting. And it is, uh, looks like Iron Warriors. And I think there is some, looks like some Thousand Sons, looks like a little bit of Lorgar and his guys, you know, so a little bit of everything on the chaos side. So interesting. Sure. Now that I've been building again <laughs> and priming, I'm well into my Prince Roger book. I'm still listening to that. I'm about two-thirds of the way through that. Watching, I have 
I finished Lord of the Rings. I was doing that on the rowing machine. I finished that. I finished 13th Warrior, which is another one of my favorite movies. Excellent movie. So those two things I finished watching. And then Cindy and I have kind of otherwise, we've been watching some like nature documentaries from the BBC, the Richard Attenborough type stuff. The David Attenborough? The David Attenborough stuff is really, really good. It's just the photography is phenomenal. And then just kind of picking away at the Father Brown stuff that we haven't watched, just kind of picking up a, you know, a, an episode here or there. So that's it for me. Cool. I think we're there. Then let us move on to this or that. Brendan, your choice today. Yeah, I'll ask you my questions first since they're I would put them in my relatively uninteresting category. Okay. They're not anything particularly inspired. So about a year ago, we saw the first previews for Lumineth. I want you to kind of erase the feelings of doing the book review and seeing people with them and playing against them. Mm -hmm. And think about just the feeling you had physically just seeing the models Mm -hmm. in the preview. Were you more excited for Mountain Cow's version Lumineth or Wind People versions Lumineth just on the previews alone? Wind People. Okay. And Wind People because for some reason it reflected more of my old world prejudices. You know, I, I, I'm much more fond of the old world than I am of the mortal realms. And so the models when they came out, you know, I'm thinking of Swordmasters of Hoth, you know, and all those kind of things. It just looks more what I expected it to be. And so I, I kind of like the new releases better. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm partial to those. And just the way the models look in, I don't know, the, the Rose of Spearman, it was like, eh, okay. I've seen Rose of Spearman before, you know, even though they were freaking three inches long. It, those are very different Rose of Spearman, you know? yeah. And not that the giant cow, the mountain cow wasn't cool, because I've seen him on the table. I played against him. I think the newer guys I like better. Okay. Yeah. Staying in our preview section, of the three new heroes we got, tossing aside the fact that you play Night Haunt, are you more excited for, one, a minor faction hero, Two, hero support for an existing army. Or three, re-sculpts for an existing model. If I had to make the choice, I not for re-sculpts. Mm-hmm. I like to see new things. I like to see things... I like to see things updated, like the White King. It's amazing. But I do like to see new stuff. So notwithstanding, and I'm saying this, you're right, my Night Haunt stuff, I'm glad to see a new model for a faction that hasn't really had anything new for a while. And that's the reason that I like seeing that. Yeah, because like if this had been like a goblin hero, yeah. would you have been as excited for it in principle? Yeah, I would have. Because again, I'm looking for older stuff that, that brings things forward. Because mm-hmm. then it, it adds some little bit of joy to people who haven't seen anything for a while. Sure. You know, like... The Stormcast guy, awesome. But there's so much Stormcast stuff out there. So for me personally... Every store anniversary is a Stormcast model. Yeah, and Every like, year of Underworlds... It's there's... like Space Marines, you know? It's the same thing on the on the other side. Yeah. It, so I'm much more excited about the Nighthawk guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then the last question from the preview section. Other than the Smash Bat... Oh, yeah, yeah. The Super Mega Vargolf. Yes. Who is your favorite villain of the group? I really like the Chamberlain guy. 
The, he looks the, the kind of second the, in command. The kind guy. of necromancer. Yeah, the little squat guy with the little... The candles and he's the... He's like the... Yeah, he has all that... Yes, I like him. Okay. I like the model, and I like the story behind him, that he's kind of like the eyes and ears everywhere. You know, that kind of thing. I think that's a cool story. And, and the model's amazing, too. So, yeah, that's my favorite. Then, questions from our main segment of the day. Yeah, sure. The Viper or the Heart? Assuming you have points for either... Mm. Would you rather have the Viper, which is, mm-hmm. you know, hero hunting, or yeah. the Heart, which is reducing damage by one? In terms of being competitive, I think the reducing damage by one. Okay. I definitely think so. Would it be fun to take off some four, five, six wound models? Oh, God, that'd be awesome. What are the chances of that versus making, you know, it is what it is. But For 40 it, points, I think it's a yeah, good... It's a good investment. But if I had to make a choice between the two, I would take the Heart. Okay. Yeah. And then last question here, with your favorite temple kind of being, hmm. you know, pushed to the side. Yeah, I know what this is going to be. What is your new favorite temple? I really like the hit and run one. The Keltnar. Keltnar. If I had a daughter's army still, I would play Keltnar. Okay. Just because I think about what I had and what I would have now, because I still had snakes I never painted, you know. Yeah. I mean, that would just be amazing they're on my list don't worry yeah okay <laughs> that brendan just imagining a whole army that's hit and run i mean even like even a cauldron could retreat and then charge and get impact hits you know and there's yeah. there's all kinds of other things wow that's and it forces your enemy to surround you i mean that's the only choice they have to keep you where you are and not allow you to do what you are going to do. It forces them to do things they might not have done tactically before. I think it's very powerful. Okay. Definitely. Keltnar, well, yeah. Those are my five. Okay. My five are first canaries or shadow stalkers. I like canaries. Okay. Yep. Easy? I, yeah. The, I believe we adjudicated that. Yes, we did, <laughs> but I, I had it written down, so. No, I, I understand. <laughs> So I, so I won't extrapolate. Please okay. go listen back to the point of the show where Dan and I argue about shadow stalkers and canaries. Canaries. The next one, you might have adjudicated this one already based on your comments, but would you rather have a hag queen or a slaughter queen on a cauldron? You know my preference, but... Yeah. You're playing a competitive list. Yeah, it, I suppose it depends on the rest of the list, which is which is tough. Um, I think in isolation, if I'm taking the slaughter queen on cauldron, it, marines, I'm, it means I'm not taking Marathi. If I'm taking a hag queen on cauldron, I think I'm doing it because I have like a weird amount of points left over. Mm, okay. So I think I would rather be taking the slaughter queen on cauldron because she's probably more valuable to me in that space. Uh, next is the Lord of the Rings question. Okay. Faramir or Aemir? Hmm. I'll take Faramir. Because? It's been a long time since I've read the books. Please, Lord of the Rings aficionados, leave me be. (laughs) I think Faramir is one of the most interesting characters, Mm. you know, because he does get a very limited, you know, run in the movie. It's clear that he is hyper-competent, and it is clear Mm. that he is capable, and there are all sorts of these other implications, but he is interesting that even in the face of just kind of consistently being wronged by his father, uh, he, he, he still chooses to do his duty, mm-hmm. which is an interesting character to build. Okay. Um, that's a hard thing to do, like in your real life, when you are actively being railroaded to stand there and, and continue to do the right thing. I think it's an interesting character that sure. you, you should look at. Good. Okay. Next one is 
of the previews we saw mm-hmm. of the heroes from Curse City. Okay. The ogre. Uh, no, you know that's not your choice. Okay. Right? You have a choice between the healer or the mystic guy right next to the healer who was that white kind oh, the of mystic. ghosty yeah. guy. The mystic or the so, healer? The, mis- the, the mystic. He's so creepy. They did a great job with the paint job. I looked at it, though, and I go, man, you can make this guy so much scarier, like so much more unsettling than he is already. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a really cool model to paint. Yeah. See what people do for choices. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, we're going to go a little domestic on you, man. Okay. So you've had some house issues. Oh, God. So if you if you knew, if you, not that you can choose between yeah, these I two I knew things. all these problems. Yeah. <laughs> I never own a house. <laughs> if you had to deal with a house problem, mm-hmm. ice dams or busted water pipes? Oh, ice dams. Okay. Yeah. Yes, please. Busted water pipes, like, like you are without water. Like, you can deal with the ice dams. If you really had to, you know, you could get up on the roof with something warm and and go get it off. Uh, or some salt and, like, ruin your gutters and your roof. But yeah, of course. Separate issue. Busted pipes, Dan. Mm. Yikes. Mm. You're without water until you can get somebody in there to help you fix it. Because, like... Mm. Who in their house just has, like, plumbing equipment? Hmm? Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'm the one homeowner who just, like, doesn't. No, no, I mean, uh, you definitely would need to get in there. I mean, you, you've got a water shut off in your house, which is good. So at least you could stop the leak. That's the one thing until somebody came in, but you'd have no water, to your point. Right. Yeah, you'd have to go out and get 20 gallons of water in one-gallon tubs just to be able to flush the toilet, you know, or wash your hands or anything. I'll tell you what, my neighbors wouldn't like it too much. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. All right, Coolio. That's it for this or that. And let's move on to show close in episode 69. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Okay. We're going to talk about Hedonites. Yeah. That is going to be a pretty animated discussion, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Where preview to it, the lessons learned in Daughters of Cain, you know, showed up in the second round of Daughters of Cain book. Mm -hmm. I do not think the lessons learned from Slanesh were appropriately no. applied the second go around. From little, and I've read maybe half of it now, the Hedonites book. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree with you. There are some real disappointing things in there. I won't say that the army is objectively bad. I do think that there are things to do in there. It has flaws. It has weaknesses. But where you leave the Daughters of Cain book, I feel like saying to yourself, okay, you know, like it has its limits. But you have strengths that you can play to. Sure. I think the strengths that you would play to in the Slanesh book are are quite limited. But you okay. know, we'll we'll talk about that in two sure. weeks' time. Okay. And then after that, again, it's gonna depend on what's in the pipe. Broken Rome's Techless, Lumineth second edition already, uh, or Curse City. Yeah. I know Dan, you and I talked about if it comes out, we're doing an episode on it. Yeah. Like, we're not gonna sit here and play a game. No, no, uh, no. And go over the rules in excruciating mm-hmm. detail or anything. But we were just talking about timing too, because really between now and the end of March we got three pre order weekends. And this weekend is nothing to speak of well, from no. uh, you know But we also know that when you get that detailed a breakdown, when they just do a, a box dump which is kind of what they did. They're not going to wait three months to release something like it's that. It's probably the next 
within a month, you're realistically looking yeah. at getting Curse City. Late March, early April, hopefully. Yeah. So that would be wonderful. But yeah, we will definitely do a Curse City episode, among other things, as it comes out. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Heed Nights next time, folks. And it probably is going to be a little longer episode because it's a pretty... Battle hef- Tome reviews take a while. I know <laughs> I know some of you are new and it's, and it's taken a hot minute. Which is why, as always, I remind more than you like it, but everything is time stamped. So you can go wherever you want, listen to as much or as little as you want, break it down. And we always break down the main sections into at least two parts so that it makes it a little more tolerable. So other than that, thank you all. Thank you, Brendan, once again. Always happy to be here. And uh, thank you all for joining us for another crazy episode into the mortal realms and into the Warhammer world. We hope you're as excited about some of these things coming out as we are. And we will see you next time around. Bye. This is the end.